Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. everyone and welcome to the opening drive on 101 ESPN in St. Louis at 7 o'clock your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Brooke Grimsley and Super Bowl champ Carrie Davis I'm Randy Carricker good morning kids how was the weekend oh Wonderful. it was good good I like to hear this yeah a lot yeah. of relaxing I went to a child's birthday party how old nice uh five good. but he wasn't very interested in the birthday party. He was more interested in his toys. Oh, God. And they of brought course. animals. It was farm-themed, and so I felt like I was more excited about the animals. <laughs> but then I didn't want to be, like, too excited. Petting zoo-type animals? Yes. Awesome. So there was, like, a mini pig, a donkey, Ooh. mini horse. It was great. A cow. Did you get to – so you did take it, even though you didn't want to act too excited. Yeah, you just yeah, because some of the kids were not that interested, and I was like, mm. okay, I'll just kind of wait for a second <laughs> and then go over there, and I, I – <laughs> so much fun. I, I was just hanging out with the animals. That's awesome. That's great. <laughs> nice. I, love it. I just relaxed. Nothing big. Just much needed relaxation. Yeah, me too. And, and I even wanted to do stuff. Like I, but I was just too lazy. I, I was relaxing too. I just that's a good weekend to have where you just want to do stuff and you just and you don't. You, and know. you don't. choose not to. You say ah next weekend. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then it just continues. Every continues. single <laughs> weekend. There you go. How weird, weird was it to have a. Uh, Cardinals Sunday. I don't remember in my entire life during the season the Cardinals ever having a Sunday off that wasn't weather related. Obviously, they've been rained out on Sundays in the past, but to have a scheduled off Sunday tells you where baseball is. That baseball is just a mess. Because baseball is one of their biggest attendance days, or Sunday is, yeah. for baseball. Well, once the NFL season starts, not as much. But, Correct. Right? But during the summer, to not have a Sunday, it's kind of weird for baseball to have that. Yeah, I was. Uh, I got up yesterday and was looking around like, oh, got to see what time the Cardinal game started. And I was, oh, no, there's Just no kidding. game. <laughs> ah, no game. All right. Well, the Cardinals split over the weekend in Kansas City and another troubling start for our friend Adam Wainwright, who went one inning, allowed eight runs on nine hits Friday night. He didn't walk anybody, but he didn't strike anybody out either. But when you allow... Uh, nine hits in an inning, it's just alarming. And it's alarming not only for us, but it's alarming for Adam, too. I'm hesitant to admit it, but, you know, when you, when you, and I've heard this from, from older guys who are retired, but when you know you're done, uh, you could lose an edge, you know. Um, I was really resistant to that because I thought I would fight like crazy until the end. Um, but uh, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to refocus and, and get, get real serious about in and strong because I don't want to go out like that I mean that's just embarrassing you know nobody wants to nobody wants to see me do that. I know a lot of people are rooting really hard for me and, and and I know a lot of people are really sad right now with, with how things are going and I get it man I get it you know I, nobody's 
trust me, you're not more sad than me. All right, you're not more sad than me. I'm, I'm really, I'm really sad about it. So, um, but I'm also very confident that I'm going to end strong. You know, I don't know why that is. Um, I got no reason for anybody to believe me. I understand that, but uh, I got a really, I really a really good sense about me that I'm going to finish really strong. I've used this I don't term. even know why I believe that, but I believe it, you know, yeah. so that's the important thing. It, it is important to believe, and I use this term for Adam Wainwright. He is relentlessly optimistic, and that's why he believes it, but looks like in baseball, father time is going to be about 21,000 and 0. Yeah, I mean, in all professional sports. Yep. The one thing that uh, he hit on, once you start thinking about retirement, it's time to retire. Mm-hmm. It's not... You should. You can't delay it a year, or oh, I'm going to retire in two years, or I'm going to. Re- Once your body and your mind has set in that I can do without this anymore, you're going to go and do without it anymore because it takes so much energy, so much effort, so much time. Both, it's both mentally and physically draining to prepare every single day to to do your job. As a professional athlete, mm-hmm. that once you set in your mind something that you've been doing since you were a child, that I don't have to do this anymore, it's really tough to climb out of that hole of I don't have to do this anymore and I'm okay with not doing it. And not to promote another radio station, but there was a really great interview with Matt Polly and Ali Marmal this past weekend where they discussed the Adam Wainwright situation, other things as well. And uh, he asked Ollie specifically about if this is about Wayno getting to 200 wins because people, that's the perception, right? Mm-hmm. That this is a very selfish act. You see that on social media. I'm not saying that. I see that all over social media. You guys see it too, where people are like, this is selfish. He's taking so much money from the organization. He just wants to get to 200 wins. And Ollie Marmal addressed that and he said, I've talked to him. It's not about the 200 wins. He actually wants to go out there and believes that he can go out there and help. This is not the result that anybody has wanted this season. Of course not. It's just tough. It's like you guys were saying, and and see, do you know, being around so many athletes where, you know, you think you can still keep going, and Wayno has said that over and over again. He's in the right mindset. The results are just not happening out there on the mound. It, but it is about the 200 wins. I mean, let's. Let, what else are we? What else are we watching for this? Obviously, you want to see younger guys perform Mm -hmm. they're not trying to they're not going to win the division they're not going to make the playoffs they're not providing anything game to game that makes you glued in and locked in yes it is about getting to 200 wins that's a that's a number that for Adam Wainwright and for any pitcher would be great it would be ideal so yeah we are wanting that he wants it Ali wants it I'm sure everyone every man on that team wants it but at at some point, Adam has to perform to the level in order to get to that to that number. And last year, the team was winning. But wasn't last year all about 700 home runs? Yeah, it was. <laughs> Correct. It was. It, it really is. And it's just, it's tough to see this happen because then you see all this discourse on social media where everybody's like, okay, does he continue to start? Does he go to the bullpen? What do you do from here on out with Adam Wainwright? And that's a big question. From here on out, it seems like he is going to make his next start, according to Ollie. So that will be interesting to see it's just it's tough to see that over and over again because in my opinion he's earned the right to keep going out there and as you mentioned cd what else do we have to cheer for this season exactly Uh, do you all think that he would want to get to 200 wins in a relief role 
No. I, I, because I don't. I, I think don't he's think, got too much pride for I, that. I do, too. I don't think he would want to be in a position where, you know, he comes in and... and the vulture. Yeah, and steals a couple of wins. He's a guy that wants to earn it, wants to go the six innings to earn that 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 win, that victory. And if he want, if he's going to get to that level, to that number, he's going to have to perform better because it's... It's, it's hard to watch, and I know it's harder on him because I know he's giving everything he's got. It's just not it's not happening right now. On Saturday, Tommy Edmond <laughs> hit a couple of home runs. Cardinals won the Saturday game. Also, before that game, Dylan Carlson placed on the IL with an oblique, and those can be dicey injuries. There's six weeks left in the season, and with his injury history, I'd kind of be surprised if we saw Dylan Carlson again this year. <sighs> I absolutely hate it because what what did we talk about with Dylan Carlson and even he mentioned before is getting the, some more opportunities and then he's dealing with another injury, another setback, especially when we're in this competition. These last two months, essentially, in my opinion, is a showcase, another mm-hmm. tryout for next season, especially when his name was being brought up during the trade deadline. Was he going to be able to solidify that role as the Cardinals center fielder of the future or even just an outfielder? And now he's injured again. Right. It's just it's tough. It is tough. I mean, it, it's it's unfortunate. And it's um, as an athlete, you you can't afford to get injured when you are vying for a when you're trying to earn a starting spot, when you're trying to, you know, in football, when you're trying to stay on a roster, you can't afford to be injured. We have a saying you can't make the club in the tub. Mm-hmm. And so this is essentially what's going on with Dylan Carlson. We've seen it with Tyler O'Neill, just guys that, you know, have the talent, but haven't shown it long enough in, in, in long enough spurts to say they de- they deserve to be starting every single day. And they called up Luke and Baker, which I know Brooke is very excited about. But here's a question that I have. And I get when is he gonna play? Well that's, that's <laughs> where, what I'm where is he gonna play? And, and when you, and where? Yes. You, both of those. You need to they want to evaluate more of O'Neill, okay? Uh they've got Newton in center field and they've got Walker in right. But how fun would it be to have Mason win at shortstop and just move Edmund into center field? If, okay. if Carlson is hurt, because, you know, at some point uh, you're going to have days because they're built in where Tyler O'Neill can't go. So I think that would have been fun. But I do think we'll see Mason win before the end of the season. I think we'll see him when they expand to 28 players in September. And you know what? Good for Luke and Baker. I, and I hope they give Luke and Baker a little bit of run. I'm with you, Brooke. If, what's the point of having him here if you're not going to play him? If you took away the chance for him to set the all-time Memphis home run record. Because <laughs> yeah. he, he, was, he was so, so close. close. And then you, you took that away. He, yeah. He's got to get some playing time. So hopefully he will get some playing time. Uh, soccer, City SC rallied to tie Atlanta United 3-3 in a scrimmage. MLS regular season resumes a week from today, is that right? Uh, no, a week from yesterday. A week from yesterday, August 20th. And Bradley Carnell's crew will host Austin. So that'll be fun. And they were able to get that uh, that draw in the scrimmage down in Atlanta. And yesterday, the, end, the, the uh, Basketball Hall of Fame in Springfield added Dwayne Wade, Dirk Nowitzki, Tony Parker, and Greg Popovich. Those are among those elected to the Naismith Hall of Fame in Springfield. Uh, Ma- Springfield, Mass., not Missouri, by the way. Oh, yes. That's that's it's a important. good clarification. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> But uh, what a group. I mean, you talk about Nowitzki changing the game uh, and then Parker and Popovich from that dominant. I would call that a dynasty, the, oh, the yeah. Spurs dynasty. They won, they won five championships. Yep. And yeah. then Dwayne Wade, he won three championships yes. and went to the finals four, no, five times? Five times. He went four with LeBron lost, and once with Shaq. Yep, lost twice when uh, with the Heat went, yep. with Miami with uh, – 
with LeBron there. But was the man yeah. in, a, in a great program that they had in Miami. So congratulations to those guys on making it to the Basketball Hall of Fame in Springfield, and they have their induction, I believe, in November. Good for so, them. Yeah, that'll, that'll be pretty cool. Uh, later on in the show, we're going to talk, to, talk uh, to our friend Chris Kerber, the voice of your St. Louis Blues. We're only a month away from training camp, kids. It's amazing. The wow. hockey training camp is almost here. It'll be here before we know it. Uh, a little discussion about Tommy Edmond coming up. We'll have our bird watch as we do all the time. NFL news and notes. A lot more coming your way on this edition of the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Coming up, what we loved about the weekend here on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework is Hetman Lumber. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, Trex, Envision, Azek, and decorators to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Stop by and see Hackman's expanded paint department, too, with brushes, rollers, painter's tape, and four different lines of interior and exterior paint. Custom color match available. Visit Hackman Lumber's newly remodeled stores in St. Peter's and Pacific, or their showroom in Troy, Missouri. Hackman Lumber. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. All right, what we loved about the weekend here on the Opening Drive. Brooke Grimsley, what do you got? My number two thing is number going to be two. number two. Number two. <laughs> number two. It's okay. I can do my own sound effects. And number I have, oh, two. Oh, there it there is. There we go. Sounded just like a CD. Uh, my number two thing is going to be Lucan Baker Lucan. getting the opportunity to come up here because you guys know I've been talking about it a lot. I just think, I firmly believe that if you do do the right things, that you deserve a promotion. And... Right now for the season, we have had some people text in and say, this season is not done. Don't give up on this season just yet. Okay. Uh, <laughs> thanks. Uh, well, what do you guys say about that? I would say, say that, that when you trade two key relievers and two of your uh, top three starting pitchers, that that would probably That's, say that you're probably cashing out. they're good to try. But I want to see some new young blood where guys are getting and a lot of opportunity. I think Luke and Baker has a big chance to do that. I don't like seeing that Dylan Carlson is injured. Some people have also texted and asking if it's a ghost injury to be able to give Luke and Baker more of a chance. I don't think that that's the case. I think that Dylan Carlson is also auditioning for his role and his job and solidifying that. I highly doubt that he would want a ghost injury to happen or even the Cardinals because they're evaluating people right now. I I just hope to see Luke and get another or a fair shot this time and see what he can do. 
you because you never know. Either he could be a part of the organization next season or moving forward, or maybe could even be a piece that you move. Yeah, he's uh, he's got intriguing power. He's kind of a Paul Bunyan type guy. So, yeah, I'm intrigued by that. My number two is uh, we saw the injury that took place, the, the cardiac arrest that we saw take place on the field in Cincinnati when DeMar Hamlin went down, Bills versus the, the Bengals last year, and DeMar Hamlin getting an opportunity to return to the field. I, when people, I had many people asking me, do you think he's ever going to play again? Uh, yes. When it happened, and once we knew he was going to be out of it and, and come through and everything was going to be back to normal, as back to normal as it could be for him, yes, because that's what we do. We play the game. We love the game. And this is a young man who has a, a great career ahead of him. I'm thankful that the people that were there at that time were there to, to rescue him and save his life and bring him back to life uh, and that he's out there doing what he loves to do and being able to perform. I That's think it's awesome. a great thing about the weekend. It's so cool to have him back and have him want to be back to the level that he was before you know, the heart, as they call it, a cardiac event. Yes. Yeah, so. and not many people who suffer those are able to come back in certain instances too, especially if there's something more underlying issues there. So it's great to see him come back this season. It's a great story. Yep, Guys, my number two, last night I was at the Majorette in Maplewood on Manchester. The Cardinal Wives got together for Wives for Wishes to benefit uh, the Make-A-Wish Foundation, and they came in with a goal of raising over $200,000, and they did. And the Cardinals had a rare a really rare off Sunday. Things aren't going great for the Cardinals, but almost every player showed up with their wives and girlfriends and helped make the Make-A-Wish Foundation raise a ton of money. And uh, Jim Th- uh, Todd Thomas and Jim Hayes and I had the honor of being the MCs, and it was so cool to see so many St. Louisans be so philanthropic to benefit the Make-A-Wish Foundation. So thanks to... Uh, Everybody that was involved, they did a great job, and especially thanks to the the wives of Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado for being at the front of things and raising a ton of money for a great charity, the Make-A-Wish Foundation. It's always sweet, too, that on their days off, a lot of them are doing charitable efforts like that. Yeah, they don't have to, you know, they don't have to whatsoever. But the fact that they go out there even on their days off and do something like that is a great event. Yeah, and that's... uh, $200,000 $200,000 is 20 wishes for kids that are afflicted with cancer. Number one. Number one. I, I talked about this in the earlier segment, guys. I had a blast this weekend at a child's <laughs> birthday party. Please invite me to more of your children's <laughs> birthday parties. I did not understand how fun that they are. So it was a five-year-old's birthday party. He was very interested in cars, but also animals. So they did an animal theme and they brought, I showed you CD. Mm -hmm. I mean, they brought like mini horses. There was a mini pig. There was donkeys. (laughs) There was chickens. There was bunnies. And guess who was in the thick of it all with the children? Me. And maybe I'm just like a child at heart, but I just, I love animals so much. And I thought it was so cool. The birthday boy, not as excited about the animals, but I, I feel like with kids, that's just how it is sometimes, right? Like it just depends on the day of what they're interested in. And sometimes if you have a little bit of a fight and you have the right set of animals there and you have a little fight among the animals, it's called llama drama. <laughs> is that what it is? There's yeah. no llama drama there. There was no llama drama? No. I wish there was a llama. That's good. Uh, what about a bouncy house? Did they have a bouncy house for you 
Uh, they did, but I it, it was too small. It was, partake, not, huh? it was not. It was not full size. <laughs> That's I got to draw the line somewhere. <laughs> My number one was watching the Tennessee Titans versus the Chicago Bears and Terrell Williams. Yeah. Uh, defensive line coach, oh. assistant head coach for the Tennessee Titans, yeah. getting the opportunity to be the head coach for the game. I thought Mike Vrabel did an outstanding job. It was, it was, it was the talk of, of the beginning of the game. Just when he's was he going to challenge? When he was going to challenge? Just the nuances of being a head coach in the NFL, getting that real game, you know, real week experience and opportunity. I think that was really awesome that Mike Vrabel did that for him. And hopefully, we see more coaches doing that in the future, giving their assistants that opportunity. Uh, to be head coaches in the game, especially assistants of color, because those are the ones that don't get the opportunities to become head coaches at the at the rate that the other ones do. So hopefully they get that opportunity. And hopefully Terrell Williams gets that opportunity. But if he never does, he can always say, I had a better head coaching career than Nathaniel Hackett did. <laughs> <laughs> I always like when my Titans are getting good headlines, yeah. too. So yeah. that, that, that was great to see. It seems like they're creating a great culture over there, too, with Rand coming in and really changing things up, too. So yeah. I'm excited about that. Hey, the Chicago Bears. Oh, Justin Fields. Hey. Uh, like he, uh, he, two he series and uh, like 190 yards. He threw, he threw, and both of those were screens. That's yeah. the point. That When you get a DJ Moore on your mm-hmm. team, that's why you go get a, a number one receiver. Yeah. Catch the ball and make a play. Big time. Yes. Uh, guys, my number one, there's this little thing, and it started when Michelle was here. It's it's indigenous to the 101 ESPN morning show. It was called the Character and Smallman Bump. Now it's called the Opening Drive Bump. Our buddy Stephen Matz has made six starts since the All-Star break. In those six starts, he's 4-0 and with a 2.16 earned run average. This is after he spent time with us yes. at Adam Wainwright's <laughs> event, his charity event, okay? He was in the bullpen. He was languishing. He gets with us. He starts pitching better. They take him out of the bullpen, put him in the rotation. 4-0 and with a 2.16 in 33 and a third innings. 29 strikeouts in those 33 and a third. Another great performance on Saturday night in Kansas City. Cardinal Nation. Ali Marmol, Dusty Blake, Stephen Matz, you are welcome. <laughs> so we you're, did that. I think so. Then we got to set some parameters to that too. So we'd have to meet them in person because mm-hmm. you could argue right. that the Wayno situation isn't exactly working exactly. in the favor. Yeah. So, but we met Matz in person. We also golfed with. Well, he didn't golf, but he was around yeah. us. Yeah, he was around us. So I think that that's the parameter. So any athlete that wants to up their game, essentially, just come hang out with us. Pretty easy. It's, it's yeah. not difficult to it's figure right out. It's right there. Yep. So and, and Stephen, by the way, is a great guy. And for all the struggles he endured early in the season. Oh, by the way, at the break, before he was with us, he was 0 and 7 with a 4.65. <laughs> uh, so. There, there's the bump, but he's a he and I have the same kind of bicycles. We talked about that. He loves to ride his bike. He loves mm-hmm. to learn about St. Louis and the the surrounding communities of St. Louis. As a human being, Stephen Matz is the kind of guy that, as a St. Louis, and you want on your team. Yes, super nice guy. Lives in Tennessee too, so we chatted yep. about that. His wife is a singer. Cool Very guy. Nice. Yeah. So maybe uh, Carrie Davis, who's also a singer. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Me and, and Steven Mrs. get together and yeah, well, do a little his wife. duet. I don't know if he's saying oh, yeah, But a little yeah. Carrie, uh, 
Oh, karaoke. We have to do this on the show. <laughs> That's a great you idea. You just came up with that just right. <laughs> <Yeah>. just, uh, <laughs> did somebody else come up with that in the past? Uh-uh. No. Okay. Like this that. is why he gets paid the big, big <laughs> bucks over there. Yeah, this. this is going to happen. <laughs> because if you're not aware of it, uh, uh, Brooke, are you aware of the fact that Carrie can really sing? I, I have heard. Career. Yes, I haven't been able to hear in person. <laughs> yeah. Yet. Yeah. <laughs> Little. Uh, we we got to. What get... is your go-to karaoke song? I have to know. Uh, I did some boys to men. Okay. I knew Earlier. it was going to be boys last to men year. <laughs> yeah. last year. Last okay. time I did it. We're going to do that here. We're going to set that up. That's going to be a segment here on the opening drive. That's what we loved about the weekend here on 101 ESPN. Coming up has. Tommy Edmond reestablished himself as a shortstop for the Cardinals. That's coming your way on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. As this one's hit a mile high, deep left. Taylor on the run. He looks up. That ball is gone. And Tommy Edmond makes it two zip. That one's cracked down the left field line. Did he keep that baby fair? It's at the pole. It's gone. Tommy Edmund with a two-homer night. Yeah, Tommy's, I mean, from the right side, he can slug. He's uh, pretty powerful. You heard the voice of Chip Carey on Bally Sports and then the Cardinal manager, Ali Marmal, after the two-home run performance by Tommy Edmund on Saturday night in Kansas City, a Cardinal victory, and Tommy Edmund now in double digits for home runs, and he's not the biggest guy that you'd expect to hit a lot of home runs, but he's hitting very well. He's hitting 325 in 11 games with three homers, six RBIs, and eight runs scored. Cardinals feel comfortable hitting him at the top of the lineup. They obviously feel comfortable playing him in multiple positions. And I would think Brooke and Carey, for the next couple of weeks at least, will see Tommy Edmond playing shortstop until the arrival of Mason Wynn. Do you think that once Mason Wynn is here and he's your everyday shortstop, Tommy Edmond is better suited in center field because of the injuries that you've seen to Dylan Carlson, the injuries that you continuously see to Tyler O'Neill. You get Newt and Jordan Walker in your corner outfield spots, and now you solidify that outfield every single day. Here's what I would do. Might not be what they would do because they love Tommy Edmond in center field. Yes. Which is fine. They, he, he's, he's a really good center fielder. But he can also give you an airtight. If you have Mason Wynn and Tommy Edmond on your middle infield, and then Goldie and Arenado at the corners, mm-hmm. that's an airtight <laughs> defensive middle infield. That to me would be the ideal. I think the Cardinals still want to evaluate, though. I think we'll see more of Gorman at second base. I think we will see Edmond in center field. But I think there will be a lot of mixing and matching during the course of the last six weeks of the season, especially because of the Carlson injury. Because right now you're looking at built-in off days for. Uh, for Tyler O'Neill, you're going to have days where Jordan Walker is going to be your DH. So you put Burleson in left, Edmund in center, uh, or Newt in center. Yeah, Edmund in center, and and then Newt in right. You can do that, and then uh, Tommy can play second base you, you, there, there, uh, on some days. There's a lot of different ways the Cardinals can go about evaluating this, but I do think to the point. They already have have evaluated Tommy Edmond, and they he's got to be in the lineup. They just have to figure out how he best serves them. And it helps, too, when he's doing this offensively, because then you have to have him in the lineup every mm-hmm. single day. I don't think it's a coincidence, though, too, that since Paul DeYoung's exit and he's getting more of a regular start as the Cardinals shortstop, that he's getting into more of a groove offensively. And maybe that 
much just more of having that defined role because he has been moved around so much this season, but it's his versatility, just like Brendan Donovan, which I know the Cardinals like a lot. And it it will be interesting to see how it plays out, especially if he will be the Cardinals center fielder, because I'm sure we'll immediately get some texts in here where people will say, well, what about his arm strength? What about his arm strength? Is that a concern for you guys? There aren't enough plays where arm strength comes into play. What do you have, two plays a week maybe, where the center fielder's arm strength throwing home is an issue? You'd love to have it. It's always a great plus. You'd like to have that Jim Edmonds throwing arm. But for me, it's with the way he can go and get the ball if he's your center fielder, that offsets the lack of arm strength. I'd rather have somebody that can go get the ball as opposed to <laughs> if it's if it's hit out in the outfit and we yeah. got to throw a guy, well, we shouldn't have runners on. Don't don't worry about that. Go get the ball to make sure you don't get runners on base. My question to you, you all would be if Tommy Edmonds is at second base, that changes your entire lineup. So when you feel because now, as much as we've talked about Wilson Contreras being, he is your catcher mm-hmm. until he's not, and. He's going to be your everyday catcher for the majority of the games, which put no, which puts Nolan Gorman at DH. Mm-hmm. If you have Tommy Edmond at second base, the best the best lineup and the best uh, defensive lineup that they can put together would be Tommy Edmond in center field, Nolan Gorman at second base, and Wilson Contreras behind the plate. And if you don't do that, now you're 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 going to end up in the same similar situation to what you're having this year. Too many people. Not enough spots, trying I'm, to figure things out. Kerry, I think that's your best offensive lineup. But I think Kisner being behind the plate is a better defensive lineup. Possibly, yes. I mean, but Wilson Contreras is going to be your— He's going to play. He's right. going to play. He's right. going to play. And that's a situation of it is what it is. Yeah. And there's, But for me, let's just look ahead to 2024 on opening day. Let's assume that Dylan Carlson and Tyler O'Neill aren't here anymore. Okay? So then you're going to have Edmund in center field. You're going to have— Newt Barr, Edmund, and Walker, right? Is am I missing anybody there? If if Brolson, both... he's just your he's extra. Your, your, I, your I, think it, I think he's yeah a super utility, and he'll play a lot. Yes. Yeah. And then my infield, it, it, you could play Burleson at second base, but no, you have to play Gorman at second yeah, base, you right? You have to have that bat. So it's Arnado, Win. Gorman, Goldie, and then it does have to be your right because of the contract. Yeah. Wilson Contreras behind the plate. Well, and then you have Tommy Edmond, too, as when gets adjusted because, of course, every single player is going to have a little bit of that curve or slump as they adjust to the big league level. You have Edmond there where he is. He's displayed the season where he's comfortable with being your center fielder, also your shortstop. It is just crazy to think about how the season has played out and the roles that we thought people were going to have going in. Tommy Edmond, before the season started, was supposed to be your shortstop, Mm -hmm. and they had said as such. And then you had Paul DeYoung, then becoming your shortstop. Tommy Edmond is your center fielder. And I just always think back to, I know that he was joking. He was being sarcastic. But remember when we were at Butch Stadium that one day and you asked Tommy Edmond where he was going to be? He was like, I think center field yeah. today. <laughs> <Right>. He's like, <laughs> But yeah. that just shows his his approach and attitude to it is great because that was a whole a role that he has never taken on before. And the way that he was able to adjust to that, I think, shows a lot about his ability and his versatility and his value to the Cardinals this season and also moving forward. And he coaches himself, which is great. Not that the the Cardinal coaches are being negligent, but what he said the other night was, quote, I made a little adjustment at the plate recently. He said, without getting too mechanical, I changed the direction of my swing and I'm making sure I'm staying through the middle of the field. It's funny that both home run balls were pulled today, but I've been working through the middle and opposite field game. But that just shows you that when you're doing that, you can still pull the ball. And Mm -hmm. 
if every hitter would decide, I'm just going to hit the ball up the middle, then you can get closer what, uh, to what Albert Pujols was. Now, you're, you're going to get to what mm. Albert Pujols was, but just try to hit the ball through the middle. Matt Holliday will tell you that. Uh, hit the ball up the middle, try to hit the ball through the middle, and you are going to be the best hitter that you can be. Hit the ball hard. Yep. Don't worry about launch angle. You don't really have to. Mm. No. it's. Uh, I, don't, I don't think Matt worried about launch angle a lot, and he mm-hmm. wound up having a pretty okay career. He's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Just going back to the Wilson Contreras comments that we were talking about, too, I just can't keep thinking about or stop thinking about the fact that Wilson Contreras, of course, you're the ones that the Cardinals brought them into the organization. They paid the money. But there's such a ripple effect with this and how things are going to play out. When we're talking about lineups, we're talking about who's in, who's out, because now you have to figure Wilson in this situation because he isn't seemingly, if we're basing things off what we're seeing right now, he's not going to be your everyday catcher. And maybe that was what they knew going in with him because of what he can provide offensively. But there's such a ripple effect of how this affects the rest of your lineup. Especially because of the emergence of Kisner offensively. We knew Kisner was a good defensive catcher, mm-hmm. but he's he's emerged offensively. And then you have a guy in Herrera who's 23, who's a really good defensive catcher and has a 969 OPS at Memphis this year. He looks like he's ready. He really does. And that's got to be a scary proposition for the Cardinals. You've got the Contreras contract. He's here for four more years after this year. Do you have the guts to trade Herrera, or does Kisner find himself off of your roster next year? I, I don't think you trade Herrera. I think it would be Kisner. I think, you know, this season has been a good year for Kisner, but these are these numbers are much higher than what he's had his entire career. He got nine home runs this year. Mm-hmm. That's the highest he's had in his entire career. I, I, I would venture to say he might have total of almost nine home runs his entire career up until this year. And so uh, I wouldn't trade away Herrera knowing that he's younger Wilson Contreras you can get three to four years out of him as your everyday catcher and then Herrera can take over that role where now you're you are DHing a Wilson Contreras and your lineup is completely different you got different players in different spots by that time so I think right now it's it's good to keep Wilson in that everyday catcher role that doesn't mean he's going to play 162 games a catcher probably play about 110 maybe 100 and you can move him in other places and still have other people able to play in those games when he's not playing catcher and Wilson Contreras career would not lead you to believe that he would be certainly worth the money as a designated hitter but that being said if you look at what he has done in the second half of this season and yeah it's the second half of a lost season he's hitting 344 with a 996 OPS since the all-star break he's the hottest hitter in major league baseball and that's great. Now, it's happening during a lost season, mm-hmm. but it shows you what he's capable of offensively if you just get him out there and let it rip. Yeah, it, it's just going to be tough or interesting to see how the Cardinals handle this because you also have seen, CD, to your point, the value that Andrew Kisner brings uh, with the pitchers. But then it's, are you, is Herrera going to be a part of this picture moving forward? It seems like he took some major step forward as a season yeah. where you would think that he would be ready. How does that factor into next year? Andrew Kisner has seven home runs going into this year. Yeah. He's got nine right now. And the weird thing is so, he was drafted as a, a, an offensive third baseman coming yeah. out of NC State. And all of a sudden they move him to catcher and he can't hit anymore. I remember uh, – talking to a Cardinal minor league staffer when Kisner was at double A. And I think Carson Kelly might have actually been at triple A. And I, I asked how Kisner's defense was. And it was kind of, 
yeah, he better hit. (laughs) 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 And he's he's emerged to become a really good defensive catcher. And now Mm -hmm. the offense, I don't know if he'll ever, he won't reach Contreras' level offensively, but I, I think that he would give you enough offense with his defensive abilities that you could win with him. And it has been a more career season for him, but I think them going out and getting Wilson Contreras this past offseason where they put an emphasis on where they want more of the offensive catcher, I think that shows how they're looking and viewing that position moving forward. That's Brooke. That's Kerry. I'm Randy. It's the opening drive on 101 ESPN. And coming up, we've got Take It or Leave It, which means you need to text in to 314-399-9646. 314-399-YOHO! Oh, we, uh, Matthew Rocchio is out today. Bradford Bruns is in and doesn't know we that part of the game. We got to get you into the Yoho. We, yeah. So do you, do you know this <laughs> part of the game? Head, no. That's <laughs> on me. I'm a student. I prepare accordingly. That's totally on me. Okay. Just late. So <laughs> next <laughs> time when we come back from the break, you'll get to hear Boom. the dulcet tones of Bradford Bruns providing go. a Yoho. Uh, take it or leave it next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Want to put it out there? If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, set it right back. Get your text in to 314-399-9646. And give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. Brooke Grimsley, Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker, and uh, Bradford Bruns is in for Matthew Rocchio today. And uh, so we're going to get Bradford going here. This is Take It or Leave It, and you text in 314-399-9646. Okay, Bradford, 314-399. Yo-ho! Yo-ho. Okay, there you oh, that go. was beautiful. Off, off to a good start. Well done. That was beautiful. So, take It or Leave It. Okay, kids, uh, you may have seen over the weekend that Woj reported that the Sixers decided they wanted to keep James Harden and try to run through a championship with James Harden joining Joel Embiid. James Harden is in China doing a press junket and said this morning, quote, Daryl Morey, president of the Sixers, is a liar and I will never be part of an organization that he's part of. Let me say that again. Daryl Morey is a liar and I will never be part of an organization that he's part of. Uh, take it or leave it. Hard is with the Sixers this year. <laughs> oh, take it. Ain't that his boy? Uh, that, not that, anymore, I guess. That was his guy. Yeah, I know. That's I, why he went to Philly. Yeah, they, no. they were. Eh, that, that's... Yeah, <laughs> that's what? intriguing. Yeah, I saw that video and I was very confused. Like, if something had happened, here's the thing: in Harden's, Harden, Harden's unhappiness with Maury stems from the lack of a long-term max-level deal, mm. uh, and the team is risking Harden's arrival at training camp by uh, bringing anything but a championship mindset with him. So, hmm. I would think that he'll like he did with Houston, like he did with Brooklyn. He'll force his way out of Philadelphia. This is. Great player. I mean, who knew that James Harden led the league in assists last year? He's still a really good player. I don't know if you can win a championship with him, but he's a nice player to have on your team. But that being said, he also, to me, has a ton of baggage now because he's never happy. It's, Mm. it's, it's, It's tough to watch. It's tough to watch them. It's tough to watch him. And, you know, he's a very good basketball player, will be a Hall of Famer. Had a run that I think was one of the best runs, a three, two, three, four-year run where he was just scoring points like a madman. But it is winning championships don't feel like it's going to happen with No. Oh, one more thing. Take it or leave it. If he shows up at Philadelphia's training camp, he shows up fat. 
Oh, yeah. I'm going to take that. Yeah. Fat suit James Harden. Yeah. Fat suit James Harden. It's they so true. Had a fat suit on. I, I believe looked, it. <laughs> the way he looked when he left. He lost 20 pounds in a day. <laughs> and it's always been brought up, too, but it seems like he doesn't think of it as an issue. Oh, James Harden yeah. seems like he's a guy that is outside. He's all about James Harden. Yeah, so the, the the Steelers got a twenty-seven to seventeen win versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers preseason, preseason we'll game. Take it. Pretty good. Mason Rudolph went tw- seven for twelve, one hundred thirty-two yards and a touchdown. Take it or leave it. You didn't even know Mason went- Rudolph was still on the roster. Ooh, I'm going to take that. Take that. I, yeah. I, I did not either. I had no idea. Honestly, <laughs> I will go a step I further. I didn't. I, I don't think he should be on the roster <laughs> as well. Uh, what did you hear that? I, I what he did in a preseason yeah. game. I when I looked at the stuff, I said Mason. I don't know. Where the hell is he getting? Back yeah. on the roster, I thought he was gone. <laughs> I, yeah, his whole norm, man. I yeah. hats off to him. Maybe Miles Garrett did that just because he didn't think the guy deserved an NFL man, helmet. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. If you're able to hang around, though, we were talking about this on Friday. If you're able to hang around the NFL, being a backup quarterback or just kind oh. of there, yeah, that is the job. Like Look. Blaine Gabbert, his job that he's had being the backup to Tom Brady and now Patrick Mahomes, that is the job. So. I do this, uh, and I know tons of people do. There is the Immaculate Grid, okay? Carrie did it, put it in. Yes, yeah, you guys love that. The the first four names I always think of are Gus Farratt, Chris Chandler, Chase Daniel, Matt Hasselbeck, because they've all been (laughs) all over the place. (laughs) They have. Yep, it's a great place to start with those backup (laughs) quarterbacks. All right, take it or leave it, guys. Luke and Baker, hopefully we'll see him this week yeah. playing because, you know, it's not a guarantee that he will be in any any lineup that Ollie Marmol produces. But take it or leave it, Ollie he's going to hit a home run this week. <laughs> I'll take it. He's going to. Yes. This Come on, week, carry, carry, carry. Join, is he, is join he, us. Is he going back to uh, Memphis? No! Oh, no. He's going to be here. here. Oh. I don't know if he's going to get an opportunity. Where is he going to play? He only plays one position. That's okay. The guy we got no, there is, plays, a, is an MVP. Plays two positions now. Days the other guy yeah. can yeah, just uh, get him off his legs for a day or two. Yeah, you know, give him a day and, off. And, uh, DH. I, I'm going I'm to leave it. I may be in the minority. He here. hits a home run against the A's. You, you think he's just going to be heating up that bench, huh? Well, I don't know. I, mean, I don't think he's going to get get enough opportunities. Uh, well, we'll have to. But he hits a lot of home runs, we'll so maybe he doesn't need that many opportunities. He'll hit one either Wednesday or Thursday. Wednesday against the A's or Thursday against the Mets. Hmm. Ooh. Luke. And, I, I'm going to say soon. I want it, I want it to be against the A's. Uh, take it or leave it. Ali, for one game at least, needs to have Baker and Newt Bar hitting back-to-back. Doesn't matter which is which, <laughs> but so that we can go Newt and Luke. Can we get Taylor Motter in that lineup, and- too? Yeah. I got a picture. I did a selfie with Taylor last night. Yeah, he looked fantastic in his suit. He has. A, he has. It was a Vegas themed night, and he had a playing a playing card jacket. Very nice. Nice. Yeah, I'll put with it, the with the long hair flowing yeah. too. I'll put that put up on, on the socials. Tell Tell me what uh, what social I should put it up on. Put it on in, X. Uh, the Insta. Why no, me? is it X? It's called X. Do we not oh, call I'll, it Twitter I'll put it on X. No, not anymore. X marks the spot oh, now. Okay. Unfortunately, is that, is that I, the name of it? I'm we don't still call not used to it. Twitter. It'll take a while. Because even when you type it into this your phone, like, it comes up as X. Is this like a Prince changing his name to a symbol? Yeah. Oh, yeah. To, what was, it it was just a symbol, right? known as, yeah. <laughs> Formerly known as Twitter. I, the way that Elon Musk has changed Twitter, or to X, excuse mm-hmm. me, it's like if you ask like a 13-year-old boy to do the marketing for this and like design, it's just an X. It doesn't even look, I don't know, it looks strange to me. Seems weird. 
I, I miss Twitter and tweeting. And by the way, Sailor so Moderate is now? a great X-ing? human being. X-ing. X-ing. Uh, <laughs> he's great, Just does it sound right. Did you, did you X today? I'm oh, right I don't now. like that. That sounds weird. <laughs> that sounds weird. Mm-mm. Okay, putting it up on the... T- uh, Brad, uh, Bradford Bruns in for Matthew Rocchio. What do you got for us on the text line? From the 314, everybody. The Cards need to trade two position players to create consistent playing time. Take it or leave it. Two. Uh, which trade two? Trade two position players to create consistent well, playing time? I, I suggested earlier, yes. so not necessarily trade, but what if O'Neal and Carlson are both not on your roster to start next season? That frees up some spots. Well, it frees up the, the, the cluster in the outfield. Yeah. So. Guys are gonna play every day, uh, but then you just throw Tommy Edmond out there and. <laughs> make mm-hmm. it, make yeah, it more. I'll take it. Well, I still do think that you're gonna have to at least get, and I would hope, a starting pitcher if possible via trade. That's gonna require a position player or two. And who that are would free you? Up who some are you space. willing to trade though? That, because that's the I, people when people put that out there in the universe, they trade two people. You know those two people. One of them is gonna be Nolan Gorman for a starting pitcher. Just want you to get over that. If you're going to get an ace, one of those people is going to be Nolan Gorman. Now, if you can stomach that, then we can start there. Because if I'm an opposing team, <laughs> why the hell do I want Dylan Carlson and Tyler O'Neill? No offense to those guys, if they're often hurt. So you're saying I think they are. I think they are great baseball players. Can be yeah. very, very good. You can't trade those two people for a starter because they are always often hurt. Mm-hmm. It's not that's not how it works. You don't get to trade away something that you don't want for something great that you want in return. It's not, not like that's not how it works. So why not? So you're it, saying it, I can't it, package it, it, O'Neal, no, Carlson, no, no. Taylor Motter. Nope, 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 nope. Maybe I'll throw, day, in Burley. For, I'll throw in Burley. For, for I'll Dylan throw in Burley. Cease, the Chicago White Sox why would not? hang up. Back in the day, we we, we, we traded Bud Smith, Placido Polanco, and somebody else for Scott Rowland. We traded guy I love, T.J. Matthews, probably listening right now. Uh, I don't even remember. Might have been. I, I don't even remember who the other guys were that we traded. I think we might have traded uh, uh, Ryan Ludwig's brother Eric for uh, for Mark McGuire. Kind of forgettable guys. Uh, we traded Kent Bottenfield and Adam Kennedy for Jim Edmonds. We can do it. It can be. It can happen again. Yeah. Yeah. Look at the guys we traded for Nolan. Can you Arnado. do it for a, a starting pitcher? Hope so. Mm. You just got to have a little sizzle. You got to sell. Mm. You got to you got to be a salesperson. Oh, you're sizzle. gonna love these guys. <laughs> sizzle. You're gonna sizzle. love them. Their trainers will too. Car salesman. He's, he's right? right on the edge of playing 145 games a year. Right, right on the edge. Hey, we gotta sell. We gotta sell some lemons. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. That's not yeah. how it works. I don't think. <laughs> I met a guy last night that sells insurance to insurance companies. So, I mean. Pretty cool. By the way, uh, if you follow me on, on the X. on the X, I guess yes. it's still Twitter.com. But uh, yeah, I've got the this, the picture with uh, Randy Carricker and uh, I think what am I RJ Carricker on? The, yeah, uh, no, at Randy Carricker at Randy Carricker on the uh, on the Twitter machine. I'm showing people on the tube too. Thank you. Can I be honest? I didn't recognize him at first. Oh, that, but when you sent the photo. Yeah. So anyway, uh, T.J. Matthews. Uh, <laughs> T.J. Matthews with a text. Uh, Eric Ludwig and Blake Stein. See, and th- those are the three guys we traded for Mark McGuire. Thank you, T.J. I love hey. T.J. He's one of my favorites. Yeah. Speaking of sizzle, take it or leave it. Wilson Contreras should know better than to pimp a home run and a six-run game versus Kansas City. Leave no. It. no, the game has changed. Do your thing. Yep. Yeah. Why not? What difference does it make? I mean, as much listen, as much stuff as that man has been through this year, 
<laughs> Every time you hit the ball hard, enjoy it. Yeah. And what are the Royals going to do? Uh, yeah. <laughs> There's That's that. a great question. <laughs> There's that. that. They got throw no, up and in the next time. 461. You guys been getting the hell beat out of y'all, <laughs> as have we. So yeah. what a difference does Good, it make? Let's do one more. One more. We've got, so let's keep it baseball themed. Take it or leave it, guys. The Cardinals sign Aaron Nola to a five-year, $125 million deal. Maybe a little too low. I don't know. Uh, feels like it. Yeah, I'm going to yeah, leave that. Yeah, that, that feels like Seven and 130. Or no, seven and... Yeah, seven, seven and two ten. I'm sorry, seven and two ten. Right. So that's seven times three is twenty one. Thirty million a year. Oh, seven. Seven and two ten. Twenty five yeah. million a year ain't gonna get it done. You're gonna be in the yeah. Twenty five million a year is not gonna get it done. Thirty to thirty three. And he's gonna range. have a lot of suitors yeah. as well. Yeah. So twenty eight to thirty three range. Yeah. It's because after Otani, it's him mm-hmm. and Snell, and then kind of a fall off to Marcus Stroman. Sonny Gray. If he, uh, Sonny Gray will, <laughs> I, I'm still not sold okay. on the Sunny Gray. Here's the thing about Sunny Gray. Experience. Sunny Gray is great if two two things are in play. Number one, if your team sucks and you have no expectations of winning. Well, then and Randy. And number two, if you play a five month season. Oh, okay. okay. But you oh, get you get, you get to September and you get to the playoffs, and Sunny Gray is not going to be there for you. So if, if that's what you're into, if he, he's fine for the the Twins because the Twins haven't won a playoff game since 2004. He'll be right. He'll be perfect in their rotation. He's 33 <laughs> he years old. He's fine with the Reds. Yeah. What happened when he went to the Yankees? He was fine with the A's, where there were no expectations and no fans in the stands. Mm. What happens? The Twins are going to be in the playoffs this year, and they're going to lose again. <laughs> All right. He, he was he was fine with the Reds. I'm telling you, Pressure. if you're one of the people that complains about the Cardinals not winning or not concerning themselves with winning in the playoffs, you better not want Sonny Gray. And I'm I'm sure that he's a wonderful human being, but there's a lot of wonderful human beings that I want don't want starting a playoff game for me. Or in September. Here, I've got a phone. Do you want to uh, give me a second here? For, uh, talk amongst, <laughs> so amped up. Talk, talk amongst yourselves. So essentially, Randy's saying that he can't handle the pressure situation. It and he's basically, 33 yeah. years old. Sounds like he's, And okay. also, size-wise, he's not that big. No, he's a little fella. You're right. A little fellow? Yeah. Uh, so a couple of things. Number one, the 5'10". guy. 5'10". Yeah. Uh, he's pitched 11 years in the majors, 96 and 82 with a 3.52. Uh, when there was the pressure of winning... In New York, he was 15 and 16 with a 4.51. His other stops, Minnesota, they aren't going to win 3.06. Cincinnati, they weren't going to win 3.42 or or 3.49. Oakland, they weren't going to win 3.42. So he's fine in making sure that uh, he's pitching in places where there's not pressure. Okay, the other part of his career, uh, and again, this is not a personal affront to one Sonny Gray. I'm sure that uh, he is very kind to puppies. But, okay, you just go through the months, okay? Uh, April and May, game level for his career, uh, April and March, 0.77 earned run average. 3.91 in May, 3.95 in June, and then you get to uh, July. Oh, I'm sorry, that's this year. Let me get his career numbers. Uh, but he's he's not been very good this year either, actually, in uh, in August. But, okay, career numbers... Come on, computer. Anybody having trouble with their computers? It is okay. moving a little. We were okay. about that. I gotta yeah. get. I, I gotta get to the. Okay, but here we go. Uh, earned run <laughs> average so three point one five in uh, March and April. Okay, okay. good. Three point one five. Three point six four in May. Three point eight one in June. Three point six one in July. Uh, Two point six five in August, and then you get to September and October. Four point four one 
So, again, Randy, all due respect. All if, due respect to it, those numbers. We yeah. got to get to the playoffs right now. We, we, if he can get us there, hell, I'll take him. Yeah, well, <laughs> we, 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 that's the problem, though, because there's a lot of people that are not happy with just making the playoffs. They want to win in the playoffs. Uh, you know what those people would be happy with this year? Making it to the damn playoffs. Well, yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> and do you want him to get the ball game one, game two? We want Aaron Nola. I'm yeah, there the you table. go. Uh, can I give you one other one? Uh, sure. I hate to do Go it. ahead. No, I'm, I'm not going to. You don't hate to do it. You are piling on Sonny Gray from Smyrna, Tennessee, my, might I mention, 15 oh, yeah. minutes out of and my hometown. And by all just a terrific human being. Mm-hmm. Uh, 0-2 in uh, playoff action, or no, in his career. Yeah. Uh, he's been in the playoffs a couple times and uh, does not have a win in four career starts. So, uh, anyway, it's not there great. you go. No. But he has been there. He'll be there again this year. Yeah, a lot of guys have been we'll there. Be I mean, we, we have a lot of guys that have been there. We'll, we'll get back there. We, if, if, I'll tell you what, Cardinals, make the playoffs and you're we again. <laughs> if not, <laughs> yeah, you're it's they. you. You're there. Yep. Those guys. Yeah. So, yep. That's okay. how we look at okay, it. Okay, that's enough. I've, 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 I've done <laughs> you, enough. You got me. the sunny gray out of your system? Yeah. For no now. longer gray inside? <sighs> I feel <Yeah>. better. <laughs> that's good. It's very therapeutic. Coming up, how has Steven Matz transformed himself into a sure thing for next year? That's next with our fresh take coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the opening drive's fresh take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. Reward yourself. Earn 2% back on every purchase with the Schnucks Rewards app. Yeah, I think he's put it together where we're not saying, let's see if he can repeat it. Um, this is who we were hoping to see all the way through. So he's done a nice job. Um, it looks different, but he's holding it. Like, it, this is who Matt is. But he did a really nice job. A lot of pitches for strikes today. Had all of them working. Kept the guys off balance. Um, gave a six. So, yeah. That's the Cardinals skipper, Ali Marmal, after Steven Matz's terrific performance on Saturday night. The Cardinals... Uh, with the 5-4 victory, and Mats, for his part, went six strong innings. He allowed two runs, uh, both earned, walked five or walked none, and struck out five in his six innings of work, and gave the Cardinals a quality start. Got the win, improved to four and seven, and also improved his overall numbers for the second half to four and zero oh, with a 2.16 earned run average since the All Star break. 33 in the third innings, he has struck out 29 and walked only seven, and. We're getting to that point now where it's a month past the All-Star break, and I'm kind of starting to believe. I kind of think that this is the pitcher the Cardinals thought they were getting that had pitched in Toronto the year before he came here as a free agent. Yeah, he's performing really well. And, you know, when we talk about it, I talked about it all year to begin the season. It's on the players to perform. This is the Steven Matz that they thought that they were going to get. This is the Steven Matz that showed up in the mm-hmm. in spring training and was performing really well. He was pitching really well, doing a really good job. So, if guys do their job at the level that it is expected, yeah, you 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 are happy. You are thrilled because he's getting paid $11 million a year to be a starting pitcher in your rotation, not to be in a relief, not to be in the bullpen. And so he's coming out. He's done a really good job going six in his last four starts, giving you those innings. 
Um, and and he threw 94 pitches through 103 pitches his last outing before that. He's doing a really good job for this Cardinals team right now. And everybody's talked about it, too. He just looks a lot more confident out there. That sounds so simple, but this looks like a different version of Steven Matz where he looks more comfortable, confident out there, throwing with more conviction. And even Ollie Marmol, the post-dispatcher in the article this past weekend, he said he's put enough starts together where we're not saying, let's see if he can repeat it. This is who we were hoping to see all the way through. He's done a nice job. I, I do think that that's very telling that they, it seems like at this point they feel comfortable with including him in that starting rotation talk for next season. He's not a name that you're putting in pencil possibly anymore. And pin is what it seems like they're putting him in. And Matz has always had decent velocity, but it's better now. But his key is his sinker. And Marmal talked about the change in that pitch since he came back to the rotation. Um, it's keeping guys sped up with it. It's a really good pitch. He can pitch at the bottom of the zone with it. He can get some swing and miss at the top of the zone with it. Um, the games that he gets a lot of swing and miss, it's it's up top. Um, but today he was able to steal a lot of strikes with the curveball. And uh, he had that going for him. And then mixed the other two well enough to, to get through six. But yeah. Okay, so it's only August 14th, so we have more time to determine. But a month ago, I was saying the Cardinals needed to sign three starting pitchers, and maybe Steven Matz was a bullpen piece. Right now, and I reserve the right to change my mind again, but I think the Cardinals (laughs) need a number one. Michaelis is number two. A number three. I'm going to go with Matz as my number four, which is pretty good based on these numbers. Number four. And then somebody from among Libertor or... C.D. Rom or Zach Thompson or McGreevy or whomever. I, I've got a rookie battling for the number five spot next year. So uh, right now I'm talking about importing two starting pitchers. I think that I think that's a, a great idea. And, and the question is, how do you get those two pitchers? One, obviously, you want to do in free agency. You want to have to go. You want them to spend some money on a guy that can come in and be your ace. And then the other one is probably going to be via trade. I mm-hmm. mean, you're going to have to move someone that may hurt. It may not feel good to get that that starting pitcher, but we've noticed, we've found out that this season is all about pitching. If you don't have the pitching, no matter how well you perform at the plate, it's not going to allow you to have success. And and that's pretty much been, you know, the issue for this team. Also, Randy, to your point, one of those young guys be the fifth starter, but two of those guys, probably at least two of them in the bullpen. You mm-hmm. you you get those guys some opportunities to grow in a relief situation, in a relief role where they're not an everyday or not a every fifth day starter and they can grow into becoming a starter. We saw it with Adam Wainwright. That, to me, feels like the best way to go about getting your young players involved in the game but not having to have that everyday pressure or that every fifth day pressure of being a starter. And I can give you one guarantee for 2024. The bullpen will be significantly younger with multiple pitchers that have options so that you can rotate them between Memphis and here. The bullpen was just too old with not enough enough options for the 2023-2024 game. So you're blowing out your bullpen, but you don't have a chance to bring up fresh arms all the time this year. And we were talking about recently, especially at the trade deadline, where it was very clear that the Cardinals had kind of an issue when it came to pitching depth depth in the organization, especially when you looked at the prospects. Now you were able to add in some pieces via those trades where that bolsters your prospects that you have, those possibilities of coming up. Drew Rahm is somebody that I can definitely see having some role with the Cardinals next season whether that could be vying for one of the, you're talking about one of those young pitchers maybe vying for one of those roles or even a bullpen role there's a lot of possibilities there where you have more of those options now that you were able to get via trade for guys that 
we're got, you're essentially just renting them out for two months. I think that that's huge for the Cardinals to be able to bolster things when you're building ahead for next season. That's today's Fresh Take. Coming up, the voice of the Blues here on 101 ESPN, Chris Kerber will join us. We're about a month away from the start of training camp for your St. Louis Blues that you can hear here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Brooke, Carrie, and Randy, and Chris Kerber, the voice of your St. Louis Blues here on 101 ESPN, joins us as he does every Monday. Kerbs, good morning. How are you doing? Randy, I'm doing good. I uh, forgot I had a chiropractor appointment this morning, so I'm getting worked on while we're talking. I oh. love this. Uh, yeah, over at the performance chiropractic there with uh, with Mike Murphy and crew. So, uh, hey, tell Murph I said what's and up. And me too, yeah. So, yeah, uh, I'll tell them for you guys. Uh, you know, a while ago, Curbs, uh, you, I, I had a, a bad back. I, when did you have that, Randy? About a week back. <laughs> I uh, cannot. And, Curbs. Uh, and Murph. Curbs. Murph changed, I can't believe they did that yeah, to you. Yeah, Murph changed my life. He's he's great, man. If, if you have a, a sore back, go to Mike Murphy. So I'm glad you're getting work done, and I'm glad you're doing uh, this show with us. And Curbs, it's amazing. Here we are. We're about a month away from the start of training camp. We, we are about a month away, and, uh, you know, this is the kind of time where every, people will ask me all the time, like, oh, are you excited? Hockey season's coming. I'm like, yeah, I'm excited. Hockey season's coming. I'm like, don't rush it, because I know right about December or January, you're going to go, man, what happened to August? So, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's amazing how quick it is. You've got some guys that are, have uh, started to come back into town because kids are, you know, beginning school and all that. So, uh it, it, it's an exciting time of the year. We've got Colton Perico's golf tournament coming up here in a couple of weeks. Uh, so th- there's a lot going on. Curbs, Scott Perunovich is somebody that I'm very interested in this season. What do you think his role will be with the team? So is it, who's that, Brooke? Uh, Scott Perunovich. Oh, his – listen, Scotty's role is going to depend on a couple of things. One, his health. Can, can he stay healthy? And, you know, I talked to him last season about this, and – he, he never dealt with injuries in college. So this this first two years of pro has been a real eye-opener for him and a real challenge. So there's 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 that part of it. His role is, is going to be clearly on the power play in, in one respect, but, you know, the size factor is another. So I, I, like, I don't know that both Tori Krug and Scott Perunovich, you know, fit in the lineup at the same exact time, especially knowing how Doug and, and Craig like taller, bigger defensemen. So I, I think his role might depend on, on who else is in the lineup, who's available, and how that goes. I still think one of the big questions they're going to have to figure out, guys, is this logjam on defense. You, you just have too many defensemen if everybody's healthy. Now, that never happens where everybody's healthy for a long period of time on defense in the NHL, but that is the way it goes. So uh, he's going to have to kind of scrap for some playing time in my mind. Curves, we were talking about Adam Wainwright earlier in uh, earlier in the show, and and just watching a a player that you know has been so great in a Cardinal uniform towards the end of their career, not performing at the level that they have been. When you when you see players in that role, I think of like Al McKinnis. Obviously, he missed his last year because of an injury. But when you watch players that have been so great throughout their entire career, and they just don't have it towards the end of the end of their career, how does that? How do you how, how do you talk about that in in you know in broadcasting or when you're doing a show or doing a game? That's a that's a great question. You know what? I, I think a lot of it, like like I was at the last home game that Adam Wainwright pitched at, right? And 
yeah, tough to see, but I was still excited to go there and watch him pitch, right? And if I get a chance to see him on the mound at Bush Stadium here down the stretch, I'm going to go to those games and watch him because I still appreciate him as an athlete. Uh, you, When you're doing the games, you just have to know and you just accept that the guy isn't quite what he was, but but you know, but what is he? Alexander Steen in the end wasn't the top six forward that he was, you know, for such a long time with the Blues. But he brought so much more to the table, and and especially if you're a broadcaster and you're around the team, you appreciate the person as much as you appreciate the athlete. So um, when you know they're at the end, you you just enjoy those final moments of getting to watch him play. To be honest with you, and yeah, it's not going well. I you know you do question you know should he take the mound in this you know much more in the starting spot but to me you're losing anyway as a team mm. you're no good this year as a team you put him out there and if he catches fire in a bottle once or twice more and gets to 199 or 200 that's great because there's not a whole lot else to root for so to me um i, I love it every time he takes the mound and i'm rooting for him every time he takes the mound Curbs, I want you to put your blues-colored glasses on and uh, i want you to go sunshine lollipops for me on this group of lines uh, okay. And so let's just assume everything goes well. You've got Thomas between Kairou and Butchnevich. You've got Shen between Kapanen and Verana. You've got Hayes between Neighbors and Saad. And then you've got a fourth line of Sonny with Toropchenko and Blay. How do you like that group's upside? You know what? I, I think, Randy, if we're high on hopium, Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, if, if we're high on hopium, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty good with that. I, I'm not so like the, the challenge. The only challenge I have with that is, is from a second line standpoint, I know what Braden Shen's going to bring, but what are those other two going to bring? So, so honestly, if, if we look at the top six, I know the effort that we're going to get from Thomas, and I know the effort that we're going to get from Butch Navich. I know the skill we're going to get from Kyrie. Mm-hmm. Are we going to see a little more defensive focus on his play just in terms of awareness? And that doesn't mean that you've got to be a Southie Trophy winner. It just means if there's no play, put the puck in deep so you don't hurt the team. Okay? It's really that simple. I don't know yet what Kappen and Verona bring defensively. So when those top two lines are getting the heavy matchups, are they going to be able, those three guys in terms of Verona, Kapanen, and Kyra, are they going to be able to handle the heat? And that I don't know yet. Now, putting my rose-colored, my blue-colored glasses on and getting high on hopium, if if they do do that, you're going to have a pretty solid front, you know, top six, and you'll have a solid, you know, forward group. So I I do like the idea of, of what you put together. And I love that fourth line, by the way. I, I, if Sonny is healthy, and that's a big if, but Sonny with Blay and Toropchenko will be the quintessential Craig Berube fourth line. Randy, that's a fourth line that you could play 12 minutes a game. Yep. And you get back to a little bit about you know what you had four or five years ago when you could play. You remember, there, like, Barbashev, okay, look at it and go, Barbashev, Sonny, and Steen. Is it really a fourth line? Or is it really more your third line? And sometimes mm-hmm. because of penalty kill, they get – you know, they get 13 minutes a game. So that is, I think that's the kind of conscientious line that you could very easily get, you know, 10, 12, 14 minutes a game and get third line full minutes if the third line isn't going. So I, I like what you put together on the fourth. 
Curbs, I was listening to Jamie Rivers, I think it was last week or maybe a couple of weeks ago, and he was talking about defense from the the forwards. And sometimes you're not always going to get great defense, maybe from like a, a Brett Hall or, or some of those elite scorers. Is there a point where you could say, okay, Jordan Kyrie, we know you're not going to give us as much on the defensive end, but you got to be scoring. Is there a point where you can you can reason yourself and, and be okay with that? Listen, I don't. I don't ever remember Patrick Kane being nominated for many selfie awards. <laughs> I don't remember, remember too many people griping about his back check when they're winning three cups in six years. Do you? Yeah. You know, now, uh, so no, you're right. Not everybody fits that bill, but you still have to make smart plays with the puck. You, you like Patrick Kane would hold on to the puck. You, you couldn't get it off of his stick in the offensive zone. He might circle in that twice. Okay. And Jordan Cairo has that kind of skill. So do it. Uh, instead of turning, you know, trying to turn the puck over or trying to make a move at the blue line, chip it in deeper, just behind the defense. Use your speed, get him, draw a penalty, those kind of things. Sometimes when we talk defensive side of things from a forward, we're not talking about how you're defending in your own zone. We're talking about what you're doing with the puck to protect the puck in the offensive zone, and that's where he needs to be better. Curbs, how you feeling now? Dude, I got like heat on me. I got stim on me. These guys have been great to, uh, you know, short of short of a different type of hopium. I think it's fine. <laughs> Good. Hey, hey, Randy, I'm all pumped up. I'm uh, I'm, I'm leaving with two buddies uh, on Wednesday. That's why we're getting this done today. Flying over to London. We're going to go over to see Tim Ream play for Fulham at the Cottage. Um, you know, so uh, and then we're going to try and check out Chelsea against West Ham on uh, on Sunday. So we've got a great, uh, you know, guys trip coming up to London to see some Premier League action and full and play with Tim Ream. That is spectacular. Have a great time. And uh, so can we call you in London on Monday? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we fly home on Monday, but yeah, call me, you know, call me whatever. I think it'll be like middle of the night. We'll be up. Okay, we'll do it. No, it's uh, let's see. It should, no, it should be the afternoon. Uh, yeah. we had Chip on from uh, London. London. So oh, yeah. yeah, you know what? Yeah, it'll be. Yeah, they, it's, it's ahead, isn't it? So yeah, yeah, two, so. two o'clock in the afternoon. It'll be perfect. I'll be at the airport. Okay. Sounds <laughs> good, Curbs. Have a great trip. Have a safe trip, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, guys. Have an awesome week. See you later. That's uh, the Voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber, joining us. And uh, we need a fighter, by the way, for the fight. Text in your name and the word fight to 314-399-9646. yo ho And the fight is coming your way next. And Curbs, uh, you mentioned Murph. Murph is... Unbelievable. Murph kind of kept Steven Jackson on the field. Great chiropractor. And Steven, you all saw what happened to Steven, and Murph did an amazing job keeping him on the field. Did he keep you on the field, CD? I didn't start seeing him until I believe my career was over. Oh, okay. But he would have. Yeah. He would have kept it going, gotta, though. Yeah. Right? I got to go see him. My, I've been, I have to turn, I don't know, when I turn around, I <laughs> yeah. do a whole body turn instead of just turning my neck. Yeah. It's a little so sore. He's, if you uh, are thinking about a chiropractor, this is a free plug for Murph. He's great. Performance yes. chiropractic. So nice. There you go. Brooke? Yeah. You sure. are, are you a chiropractor per- person? Uh, yeah. Okay. I, I think I think I'll go. Maybe. Okay. Maybe. If, yeah. If, if you're maybe. ever sore, that's a good job. You never yeah. Know. All right. You, especially up. if you got a bad back. How, but how long do you have to wait before uh, you go to him? About a week back. There you, go. <laughs> you see, that's I was trying to avoid any back talk. Uh huh. You, you see what I just did there? I <laughs> yeah. was trying to avoid back any back talk. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. I like it. Uh, we got it in. Uh, the fight is next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight! In the red corner, average Joe Listener! And in the blue corner, the 
unit king of Morning Drive, please welcome Randy Carricker. Welcome back to the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley, and it is time for the fight. And our fighter today is Alex. Alex, how you doing? I'm doing great, Kerry. Oh, Alex is a great name. That is my middle name, oh. Alexander. Mine is Alexander. I do. How'd you know? <laughs> I told you that. I said that. I said that. I use every yeah. time. Yeah. Alex. That's and what it, I say. So you're Alexander. Alexander. I'm Alexandra. And then yeah. we have Alex on. There we go. Nice. <laughs> Look at this. Well, we're rooting for you, Alex. <laughs> Don't tell Randy Carricker that, though. You ready to go? Sure thing. All right, here we go. Tonight, the Cardinals and the A's clash in an opener of a three-game set downtown. In 1989, Oakland, under Tony La swept San Francisco to win the World Series that was interrupted by the Loma Prieta earthquake. Who was the MVP of that fall classic? Was it Dave Stewart, Jose Canseco, or Ricky Henderson? Let's do Ricky Henderson. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs will open their title defense by hosting the Lions on Thursday, September 7th. Name the Chiefs' all-time leading scorer. Is it Tony Gonzalez, Priest Holmes, or Nick Lowry? Uh, Tony Gonzalez. Over the weekend, Tony Parker was among the luminaries inducted into the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. The former Spurs great still owns the franchise mark for career assists with 6,829. Who comes second on that list? Is it Tim Duncan, Avery Johnson, or Manu Ginobili? Uh, let's do Manu Ginobili. Only three NHL organizations have qualified for the postseason 70 or more times. Montreal and Boston are two of these teams. Can you tell us the third? Is it Toronto, Detroit, or Chicago? And what was the question again? Only three NHL organizations have qualified for the postseason 70 or more times. Montreal and Boston are two of the teams. Can you tell us a third? And then what's the, uh, the answer again? Toronto, Detroit, or Chicago? Let's do... Chicago. All right, we are making sure we have the correct scores, and Bradford is going to run outside to go get Randy Carricker. Alex, how you feel? Well, that one was a little bit, a uh, little bit different. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and so typically Rocchio does the questions, and so these are Bradford Bruns questions. So we get to peek inside the mind of one Bradford yeah, Bruns. Everybody has different ways that they approach these questions, which is kind of fun to see. Too. Bradford, you threw me off because you walked around, you had the headphones still on, but they weren't attached to anything. I I was so confused. Lots of moving pieces today, Gary. <laughs> Lots of moving Lots pieces. Lots of moving pieces. <laughs> Randy is back in. He did have a Mountain Dew earlier oh, around eight good. o'clock. Yeah, um, Same he's one. still about a. Fourth of way through uh, with it left. Randy, say hello to Alex. Alex, good morning. How you doing? Doing good, Randy. Good. Good to uh, have you with us. So, Randy, my middle name is Alexander. Uh-huh. Brooke's middle name is Alexandra. And we have Alex. So we may or may not be rooting for the Alex on the line today. Just okay. want to that's give you heads up. You, you pretty much root against me every day anyway, so that's fine. You don't have to find you reasons for it. You beat down people every day, Randy. This is, this, I want a fair fight, man. I apologize. 
right, here we I go. I really do. <laughs> no, you don't. No. <laughs> <laughs> Tonight, the Cardinals and A's clash in an opener of a three-game set downtown. In 1989, Oakland, under Tony, Tony La Russa, swept San Francisco in the World Series that was interrupted by the Loma Prieta earthquake. Who was the MVP of that fall classic? You remember how one part of a double-decker highway fell yes. on top of the other? Yes. So, like... Uh, we had a guy, I was telling this story, it's funny, I was telling this story the other day. We had a, a guy that predicted an earthquake here in St. Louis, yes. a guy named Dr. Iben Browning. Predicted I remember it. that. Predicted an earthquake. I remember that. And so it was supposed to be, I think, in 1991. So this was the 89 World Series. And one highway fell on top of another in the Bay Area. So it was double-decker highway. So I made it a point as I was driving downtown to work at KMOX to be on the bottom level of Highway 40 on the Poplar Street Bridge. At the exact time that uh, earthquake was supposed <laughs> Why? to, just to taunt Ivan Browning a little bit, saying, oh. this, this ain't happening. And it didn't happen. We didn't. It didn't. Um, but that World Series obviously was delayed because of the earthquake. And in a sweep, Dave Stewart had the opportunity to start a couple of games. And I believe he may have started the clincher for the A's. And I think Dave Stewart was the MVP of the 1989 World Series. Hmm. Remember how his cap, how yes. you couldn't see his eyes? Mm-hmm. I love Dave Stewart. I do too. All right. Question number two. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs will open their title defense by hosting the Lions on Thursday, September 9th, or 7th, excuse me, September 7th. Name the Chiefs' all-time leading scorer, or all-time scoring Uh, leader. All-time scoring leader for the Kansas City Chiefs. I believe, and I remember this because he actually was with the St. Louis Rams for a cup of coffee. I think it was Nick Lowry. Who uh, he, I, I don't know how, who got hurt, and he landed here. Uh, but he, I don't even know if he wound up kicking for the Rams. But I, I think that uh, yeah, former Ram number eight, I believe, Nick Lowry, was uh, was the all-time Chiefs scoring leader. Over the weekend, Tony Parker was among the luminaries inducted into the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. The former Spurs great still owns the franchise mark for career assists with six thousand eight hundred twenty-nine. Who comes in second on that list? Well, I'm thinking it's probably a point guard. So I'll do the lifeline. Tim Duncan? Probably not a point Avery guard. Jones, Avery Johnson or Manu Ginobili? Uh, I'm pretty sure it wasn't Ginobili. I'm pretty sure it wasn't Duncan. I will go with Avery Johnson. Final question. Only three NHL organizations have qualified for the postseason 70 or more times. Montreal and Boston are two of the teams. Can you tell us the third? Okay, so they're obviously, you've got the original six. Uh, the Rangers would seem to be out of this. The I just kind of think that the Red Wings and Blackhawks are out of this too. I think for me... It seems like it almost has to be the Toronto Maple Leafs. I'm going to go with Toronto. Eh? Toronto. All right. We've got a, well, after a great weekend that Randy had, slept well, rested, didn't do much work, as he said. Didn't do much, no. Did he come into the fight well relaxed and ready to beat down another contestant? Or did Alex, who Brooke and I were quietly rooting for because he is he alexander the great there there you go very quietly because he uh came did alex get a chance to ruin randy's monday 
The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight is presented by Golf Discount of St. Louis. With the most experienced club fitters in town. Why shop anywhere else? Go crazy, folks! Go crazy! <laughs> and... Look, As you can hear. Can you turn up the replay machine over there? We had you, a uh, the, delayed well, Jack Buck. But you hit all yeah. four, Randy. Oh, thank you. Good. Go crazy, folks! Go. go crazy! And then... Oh, no. I mean, <laughs> just win, baby. Just win, baby. As you heard, Jack Buck, Randy did get all of the answers right. We'll run them down. The, tonight, the Cardinals and A's clash against the... Uh, it clashed in an opener three-game set downtown. Oakland under Tony Russo swept San Francisco to win the World Series. That was interrupted by an earthquake. The MVP of that game, of that series, was indeed Dave Stewart. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs begin their season opener on Thursday, September 7th. The Chiefs' all-time leading scorer, Randy said it. He remembered that Nick Lowry was here and remembered his number. How the hell do you remember that? Over the weekend, (laughs) Tony Parker became inducted into the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. The Spurs' great still owns the franchise mark for career assists with 6,829. In second place on that list is indeed Avery Johnson. Tim Duncan is only 249 behind Avery wow. Johnson. So he was he's almost there. And the origin, only three NHL organizations have qualified for the postseason with 70 or seven, 70 or more times. Montreal, Boston, and Toronto was indeed the third team. So here's an opinion I have. I think that in their era that Shaq was the most dominant player. Mm-hmm. But I think that all around... Duncan was a better player than Shaq was. Sha- Shaq, <sighs> because Duncan could hit free throws, he could. Yeah. Shaq was Sha- no doubt that Shaq was more dominant, and Shaq in a one-on-one would beat Tim Duncan. But in terms of playing a team game, I think that Tim Duncan was a better all-around player. I'm still going to take Shaq because I if if. I want to know I can throw the ball inside and he's going to go dunk on somebody. Now, he's probably going to get fouled, and he may hit 56% of the free throws that he takes. But, hell, one is better than none. So Yeah. <laughs> no, no doubt. And it's kind of a weird dichotomy because one is – I think one's just a better player, but one is more dominant yeah. than the other. Yeah. Uh, but there, there was no more dominant force, maybe ever in the history of the league, than maybe Will Chamberlain. Yeah. But uh, Shaq – Man, when he played, he, he was scary for everybody else. Alex, thank you for joining us today. Great job, sir. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. Alex with us on 101 ESPN. And that is the fight. Next up, we've got Birdwatch. Stick around. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're flying down to the field to give you the latest on your St. Louis Cardinals. This is Bird Watch on the opening drive. It is time for our Bird Watch. The Cardinals off yesterday on the heels of a victory over Kansas City on Saturday. And they open a three-game series against the Oakland Athletics tonight at the ballpark. And then the Mets come to town over the weekend. But let's get things started with Brooks Bird Watch. My bird watch is going to be Tommy Edmond. 
and how well that he has been doing, especially lately. I just thought it was a cute story. So we, of course, saw the two-run shot from this past weekend. It was his wife's birthday that day, Mm -hmm. and he said that she mentioned that she wanted a home run for her birthday, but she wasn't expecting to. But either way, that's just very sweet. I think he's also already harnessing the dad power. So him and his wife are expecting a child. And it seems like we've talked about it with Nolan Arenado, other guys, like the dad strength coming in. Maybe that is something that plays into it, but I'm just excited for Tommy Edmond. I think he's a great player, great athlete, somebody that I hope the Cardinals continue to see the value in him, and I think he's proved it, especially offensively here lately. Uh, If you look over his last four games, seven for 15 with five runs scored, three homers and a pair of doubles, and this is, two when you're seeing, we're talking about him getting moved all over the place, right? He was center fielder. He's your shortstop, and the way that he's been able to adjust, but I don't think it's coincidence that now that he's getting more of that defined role as the Cardinals shortstop that he is doing a little bit better offensively. And he's going to have his streaky moments, right? We know that there's, there's going to be yeah. some droughts with Tommy Edmond, but is he a player that you can win with? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. No doubt about it. You just have to pick your spots, and it's kind of it's going to be tough for Ollie and Turner Ward to know when he's going into a, a little bit of a funk and then when he looks like he's coming out because – when he's hot, you want to hit him at the top of the lineup. And when he's not, you want to hit him at the bottom of the lineup. Is he – I think he's – I mean, he's going to play every day somewhere. Yeah. yeah I mean, at, at somewhere on the Cardinals team, some, yeah. some position. And I think he's going to – I agree with you. I think he's going to have an everyday position. I don't think they'll move him back and forth yeah. between second base and center field. Yeah, I agree. Well, my, my bird watch, it's not a pretty bird watch. We're going to talk a little bit about Adam Wainwright and his last couple of starts. He's – Four innings pitched in his last two games that he's played. 18 hits allowed, 15 runs allowed. His last start uh, only went one inning, gave up eight runs on nine hits. And it's no walks, but just not able to get guys out right now. And I'm sure he talked about it. We listened to we listened to it in the opener, just the frustration that is associated with his play with him right now, how frustrated he is. I do believe he still has a little bit of juice left in the tank. He's just got to – he's going to have to squeeze it all out to, to to get out of these innings and to get into, you know, the fifth inning, the sixth inning to try to get that win because he does. And I'm sure everyone on that roster, every man on that roster knows that 200 is right there. He wants to get to it. Cardinal fans want him to get to it. His teammates want him to get to it. Um, but he's going to have to perform better in those outings in order to get to that number. Yeah, it's uh... – it, it is. It, it's it, like he said. I know there's a lot of people that are sad for me right yeah. now, mm-hmm. and he said. He also said, "Look, nobody's sadder about this than I am." But hopefully, his positivity and his history, his ability to f- solve problems, will step forward in these last six weeks of his career. Every not everybody, but he thought that his career was over in 2018, and he came back and he's turned in several exemplary years. By the way, last year being one of them, seventh in innings pitched in the National League, 14th in earned run average, and people didn't want to bring that back. I don't yeah. know why. But he's turned in several exemplary years because he can figure it out. Hopefully he figures it out over the last six weeks here. That's what I would hope that most fans are taking away. And I and we have gotten a lot of positive texts coming in where people say that they want to see him get to 200. And I'm, I'm sure if you ask, not that the players are the ones that make the decision, but I mean, even remember just the looks on some of their faces when, you know, Adam Wainwright is able to get out there and, you know, come out with a great performance. You can see that they all want it too. I'm sure if you asked around how they all felt about it, they would want to keep sending him out there too. 
and it seems like Ali Marmal feels that way too. Yeah, a- absolutely. Ali wants, and I think the organization wants to get him those two wins. I mean, it's an important number, right? He, he's done such a great job for this Cardinals organization. He's been really the standard of, of what you want a, a, a lifelong Cardinal to be. He's got the the battery record with him and Yachty. Like, those are records that, that are – that record will never be broken. Mm-hmm. But he wants this – this is a personal record. And I, I get it. When you're a, a, as good as he's been, as great as he's been, you expect to to perform that way every time you get out there. And it's, it's just unfortunate that we're not seeing that product because I know he still believes it's there and, and we want to see it happen. It's amazing. If he had only had one year – where he missed the whole year, his he'd be well over 200 victories. You, you look at the years that he, he did miss, and 2011, uh, that's a year of his prime. 2015, basically a year of his prime, and then 2018 and the COVID year, 2020. But man, so in those four years, 2011, he missed the entire year. 2015, he only made four starts before he suffered the Achilles injury. 2018, he only made eight starts. And then, obviously, in the COVID year, he's limited to 10. So he's missed out on, let's see, 30, 25. I'm doing the math in my head here, not smart. 35, 45. Um, so he, he's missed out on probably 50 major league starts. Mm-hmm. If, if he would have missed half of those, and they were in his prime, he'd probably have another 15, 17 wins under his belt right now. Right. We already had two texts coming back-to-back that were very similar from the 314. says, a lot of people didn't want to bring Wayne right back because, as you can see, this is why. Well, I don't know why they think that their evaluation process of veteran pitchers is better than people whose job it is. I think they're they're fortunate that they had that confirmation bias and they hated Adam Wainwright and they didn't want him to succeed. But I did, and I'd seen Adam do it before. So that that's why I believed in him. And I did. I, I watched last year. I saw the 3.27 run average. I saw the 191 innings. I was watching. And, there, and he didn't have awesome stuff last year. But... Congratulations if if you saw this coming, and uh, <laughs> you, you and you alone, you know, Mike Mike Gerst. Well, Mike Gerst sent uh, emails to every major league team saying, "Hey, okay, here's what I got for you. You got to send those emails and say I saw this coming." Oh God, the Cardinals will love you for telling yeah. them to send them a bunch of emails yeah. with that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure they already get that too. Yeah. Right, <laughs> guys. Here's a fun fact for you. The major league average earned run average this year is 4.31. Major league average earned run average, 4.31. Tomorrow night, Dakota Hudson pitches for the Cardinals. Guess what his earned run average is? 4.031. 4.31. Yeah. League average. He's 3-0 and <laughs> in, uh, in three starts this year. He uh, obviously he, he had a rough time in the minors. And here's the thing tomorrow night, and we love our buddy Tom Ackerman, who's going to be doing play-by-play for the Cardinals and the A's this week. But if you want to preserve your sanity, (laughs) Dakota Hudson is pitching. Consume him without watching? Yes. You have to consume Dakota Hudson's pitching performances without watching. That's the key. Because he is going to provide a representative league average performance for you in terms of his earned run average and in terms of his ability to give the team a chance to win. But is it going to be pretty? Absolutely not. So 
Don't watch it. Just take it we in. We want to watch baseball, I, Randy. Watch somebody else tomorrow. I just think it would be absolutely <laughs> hilarious Randy. if he tosses like eight scoreless, and it's just for no reason. Yeah, but eight scoreless with probably five walks, and you know, Randy, we love baseball. We want to watch Dakota Hudson. We we need we need us fans need to know who our fifth starter is going to be, and how are we going to know it if we don't watch? Then, it? Carrie, the key is to know. That you're going to Six Flags, that you're on a roller coaster, and it's going to be a glass case of emotion throughout the course of the night. Oh, man. All right? Come on. You know what you're going to be dealing with. You know what you're in for. Watch at your own peril. But know that your team, at the end of the day and at the end of Dakota Hudson's performance, is going to have a great opportunity to win. I personally think— Are you that- now, You're not watching? Oh, well, I'll, I'll see the last couple of innings. I'll watch the highlight. Rand, but, Randy, didn't you say? Wait, let's go back to Sunny Gray just for a second. Okay, hold on. Here. <laughs> okay, uh, I, I want to say this. Uh, one one more Dakota Hudson point. I okay. I think he's underrated by Cardinal fans. I, I think he, now is he a number one? Is he a front of the rotation guy? No, but I think he should be squarely in the hunt for that number five spot in the rotation next year. Okay, so earlier, Sonny Gray, you mentioned that you looked at his numbers mm-hmm. once it got later into the season. Mm-hmm. Dakota Hudson performing better later in the season? Well, the, for Sonny Gray, there's a track record, an 11 or 12 or 13-year track record of this. Yes. For Dakota Hudson, he's a, he hasn't pitched many Septembers. So, and he had the injury. So it it's different for him. If if he gives us, if we get to four or five or six years, and he's that way, I, I would be frustrated. But I can tell you this: I would take Dakota Hudson's career September's over Sonny Gray's. And I, I think I told you, ten, Gray, what uh, twelve and eighteen with a four and a half, four point six earned run average in uh, his career in September. Uh, in Dakota Hudson's career in September, he's six and one with a two point eight zero. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's, so okay. it's, he mm-hmm. actually, I think, probably handles. So Dakota is better than Sunny Gray. That's my takeaway. The pressure here. Uh, of if, if I'm trying to win, yeah. Put Sunny as as sorry. Tony Larusa would Tony say. <laughs> yeah, I, I know he's got the stomach for it. I did not know that. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah, TLR, TLR was big on having the stomach for it. I'm not so sure Sonny Gray does. I'm pretty sure that Dakota Hudson does. So you like Sonny? You like Dakota in your as your fifth uh, man in the rotation next year? I I I think he should be squarely in that competition with Zamp uh, with uh, Thompson and Libertor. Okay. And they they aren't well. I guess they're going to technically be rookies. 1982, the Cardinals won the World Series with two rookie starters, hmm. with LaPointe and Stuper. You can do it. I, and the really young starters with Kepshire and Cox in 85, they went to the World Series and should have won. And in fact, Coxie should have won the World Series clincher in game six. That was, he, he threw seven, I think, shut, maybe it was eight shutout innings. Uh, and uh, the Cardinals didn't win it. Danny Cox was a stud. <laughs> He's one of my all-time favorite players. So that's, yeah, no question that Coxie, he had the stomach for it. Uh, so there you have it. Uh, I have given my review. <laughs> I do. Tell us how you really feel okay. about Dakota and Sonny Gray. It. Well, okay. I was being sarcastic. I feel like we I, I gathered know, that. I know, I, know. <laughs> I, I know you're being sarcastic, but I'm not. <laughs> So Cardinals, uh, Cardinals, you're always accused of saying all they want to do is make the playoffs. They don't care about the playoffs. All they want to do is make the playoffs. You can prove that to me if you sign Sonny Gray. If all you want to do is make the playoffs uh, and don't worry about winning in the postseason, sign Sonny Gray and I'll know. 
<laughs> Coming up next, the Rush Hour Reset on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. The Cardinals are going to have to go out and find themselves a number one and a number three starter during the offseason. We assume that one of those is going to be a free agent acquisition. We assume that because John Mozeliak said he can fill out his rotation outside of free agency during this offseason. So they're going to sign at least one free agent. If they get one in a trade, do the Cardinals have to change their approach in finding that starting pitcher? We've seen good things lately from Dakota Hudson. We've seen good things lately from Matthew Libertor, who a lot of people around baseball think can be great, and Zach Thompson. Does this, Brooke and Kerry, if the Cardinals have to make a move, change your opinion about people like Graceffo and McGreevy in terms of moving them? And the reason that I ask this question is because we've seen good things, obviously, from the three aforementioned guys. We've also seen what happened with Alex Reyes. So while we may be in love with a guy like Gordon Graceffo, you always have to be cautious because the Cardinals, if you go back to 2017, they expected that for 2018, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, they expected that Alex Reyes and Jack Flaherty were going to be the t- number one and two guys in their rotation. Mm-hmm. And they both dealt with numerous injuries and were never what they were expected to be. So with that history, and granted, Sandy Alcantara has happened, Zach Gallen has happened. If you're looking for that starter to win now, do you have the guts to move a guy like Gordon Graceffa, who has tremendous front-of-the-rotation quality stuff. Yes, there's the upside there. I just still think going into next season, you need two starting pitchers. Specifically, I personally believe, a number one and number two starter. And then after that, Michaelis. And then Mats, I believe, has worked Mm -hmm. his way back into the starting rotation conversation where you're not going to have him move back to the bullpen unless something else happens next season. But I'm very happy with his performance as of late. And then you let that competition for that fifth spot play out with Matthew Libertor, Zach Thompson, and even Drew. Rom is somebody that I think is very intriguing that I think will definitely be a part of that conversation. That's CD I just, for you and I carry. Yeah. Yes, yeah. of course yeah. it is. Yes. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, there's balloons. Oh, oh I'm sorry. I got so distracted as we were talking about that, but how could I not? This is beautiful. An arch. It's a balloon setup. CD's face. CD's Randy Carricker. What is that? Radio man on oh top of Oh my. Happy. Today is not. It's no, my birthday isn't until Saturday. Yeah. Oh, okay. But happy birthday. Happy, happy wow. early birthday. That's pretty amazing. This is extreme. I, I need everybody to go Did on YouTube see to see just how <laughs> distracting that this was. Because there's even a Randy balloon at the yeah. top. You got to move that. Hold on. CD. Oh, this is man. beautiful. You... So this is a birthday present? It is. <laughs> this is great radio, huh? Where everybody. Okay, can... yeah, you got to be on the, the YouTube. We'll put it on the. We'll, we will also. Oh, this is amazing. Uh, well. So I have some some friends that are beautiful. quite fun. This is absolutely Good. beautiful. There you go. Okay. Well, we'll send a picture of it so that those of you that aren't seeing it on the YouTube right I now have an opportunity to see it. We were talking about what, what trades the Cardinals could make and whether or not we have the guts to move a guy like Gordon Grisseff or Michael McGreevy. So just to round it up, yes, I do think that you need a one and two starter. Personally, I believe that just so I feel comfortable going into next season, one via trade and one that you're going to have to pick up in free agency. So I, I don't think that the Cardinals 
I mean, free agency is one thing. Will they be willing to spend? And what number will they be willing to spend? That That is going to be one of the most important things. Are they willing to go above and beyond for an Aaron Nola, who I think seems to be the prize free agent outside of Shohei Otani, which I don't think anyone in this room thinks the Cardinals are going to actually pursue. No. So I think Shohei— But I'm going to get a tattoo if he comes to well, St. You, Louis City. I, I will, mm. That would be awesome. That's I don't enticing, think, right? I don't think you have to worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> never say never, yes. right, Randy? Never say never. Yes. <laughs> no. um, but then free agency, so looking at an Aaron Nola, you, we talked about Blake Snell. I don't know if the Cardinals would be willing to trade anything or anyone that they think is going to be something special in the future because of the fear of Randy Rosarina, the fear of Sandy Alcantara, of Zach Gallon, because of what took place when they traded those younger guys that maybe didn't have the opportunities uh, that they should have had here. You trade them away and they have the success that they're having. I think the Cardinals may be a little bit you know, hesitant to do that. I think so too, but at the same time, you you think, and, and obviously not everybody's going to stay healthy, but if you have to sign two guys as free agents or you don't trade one of those young pitchers to get a person, you're going to have controllable pitchers in that guy you sign as a free agent, the guy you get, and then Libertor, Thompson, McGreevy, Graceffo, Matz is going to be here for two more years. Uh, Michaelis just signed to an extension for two years. So you're going to have, well, you, you can't have too much pitching, but you're going to have what you think is high-quality starting pitching that isn't starting pitching for you. Which is why I, I, I feel that they'll probably go out and make a push in free agency, and then it might not be the guy. They may not get a guy that you you want because so, the the – I don't see the Philadelphia Phillies just letting Aaron Nola oh, no, walk away no. without a fight. They, no. They're a franchise whose owner said, we are prepared to spend stupid money. There you go. So then well, the question becomes, if you don't want to move those young starting pitchers, is Herrera or Kisner in play? Obviously, Dylan Carlson's still in play. Is there any value with one year left on his contract for a guy like uh, Tyler O'Neill? Brendan Donovan's hurt. You don't know what he's going to be like for the beginning of next year. So where does the value in your organization come from to go out and make a trade? It, yeah. it comes from one of those guys that you that, that that's going to hurt to see leave. It's mm-hmm. going to be one of those minor league pitchers that we haven't seen come up yet. It's going to be a a Nolan Gorman or a Brendan Donovan, you know, mm-hmm. on the as a trade piece for for one of those guys. That to me is the only thing that I think would entice another team to make a move if they have a, a controllable pitcher that they could get rid of. Yeah, a painful pew point trade that you're going to have to make. But you do have some log jams. You have some depth at certain positions. Mm-hmm. So if you are saying that you want to you know, look ahead to next season and build towards that, you still have Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt here. Once again, keeping those two here signals to me that you are trying to make this change happen quickly. Yeah. So you're going to have to make some painful trades in order to do that. You've got to try to win now, and it is going to, just like when you went out and got Marcelo Zuna, it's going to it's going to hurt. And oh, by the way, Carson Kelly uh, released, was DFA'd, was yes. DFA'd by the Diamondbacks. So we won that trade because there's yeah. nobody left from that Goldschmidt trade <laughs> no, it for was the Luke D-backs. Weaver, Carson Kelly, and Andrew Young were the three, and that won was it. 2019. So cards win, cards win. <laughs> I have I have four people on my uh, do not touch list. Okay, okay. Obviously, Golden Arenado. Mm-hmm. And then I have go and I have Jordan Walker and I have uh, Nolan Gorman. Mason Wynn? Well, he's not here yet. I okay. don't I don't oh, I'm talking here. about people that are here on the roster right now. Okay. 
Uh, Mason Wynn, I mean, he once he gets here. But on the actor on the roster right now, that's including pitchers or, or anybody. Those are the four people, and I know that that probably pains Brooke to hear because I didn't mention one person Dude. in particular. Sorry. Well, here's I the thing: apologize. they already they already said they see him as a part of 2024 mm-hmm. for this organization. They said that about Dylan Carlson last year. They did hold down hands, <laughs> Dylan right. Carlson. They even said center fielder of the future, right? That's comes at you fast, brother. Well, and, and with this injury, you talk about diminished value. For him, with his, the injuries that yes. he's dealt with, and not only did he, does he have the oblique now, but carry earlier in the season, I think he was dealing with a back. Uh, when did that happen? About a week okay. back. Uh, so <laughs> I'm going to pop all these balloons. <laughs> I'm going to pop all these balloons. <laughs> oh, we got to see uh, Tim Grieper just going crazy. Yeah. Here. Uh, <laughs> My alter ego. <laughs> so, but anyway, I, I believe uh, O'Neill has diminished value. I believe Carlson yes. has diminished value. Uh, Brennan Donovan just had, sh- had surgery. Has sh- surgery. Yeah, so when you make a deal, you might be selling low, which is always a dangerous proposition. And you don't get a lot back yeah. for that. I mean, it, it, it's – I know Cardinal fans, we look at, at our team with rose-colored glasses. We want to mm-hmm. believe that we have the best players in the entire league and people – it should be an honor for us to trade to you, and you should definitely take uh, Tyler O'Neill and, and he's going to be – yeah, that's not how everyone else no. is looking at it. No. They're looking at guys – Tyler O'Neill, who missed some games because he had knee soreness. They're looking at Dylan Carlson. Yeah, he has a lot of talent, but why isn't he playing every day? Those are real questions because if he's that talented, he would be playing every day. Same thing with Tyler O'Neill. He would be playing every day. Oh, they're injured or they're not performing at the level that that we think that they should or that that other teams think that they should. So it's you're not going to get much in return unless you put something in there that teams really are enticed by. And if the Cardinals are able to fill their needs this offseason, either way, it's going to be loaded with intrigue because they're either going to have to spend unprecedented money for them or they're going to have to trade people that in the past they haven't been willing to part with. And that's major league stars, potential stars, or major league ready stars. So it'll be a really intriguing offseason. And oh, by the way, they're... Still trying to win a few games. As was mentioned on the text line earlier, the season isn't over yet. We had a couple people say that, that they wanted to remind all of us in here, the season is not done and we shouldn't be speaking in such a manner. No. Well, you beat the A's three and you beat the Mets three or four, and then you just win like 16 or 17 more in a row. Then all of a sudden you've got a race. It has happened. It has. Uh, that's Brooke. That's Carrie. I'm Randy. Coming up here on 101 ESPN, we've got NFL news and notes for you. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. For some NFL news and notes after the first full week of preseason play in the NFL, starting with DeMar Hamlin returning to the field and the Bills win over Indianapolis. In that game, Colts rookie quarterback Anthony Richardson bounced back from an early interception and engineered a pair of lengthy drives. CD, did you any, see anything of Anthony Richardson? I didn't get to see that game. Uh, the only game I got to see this weekend was the Bears and the Titans okay. game, and I got to see what I said of Justin Fields and his 
first couple of series was amazing to me. But I do think, and Anthony Richardson, I've heard nothing but great things about him. Your teammates talking about him, talking about his his poise, his his maturity for a young player. Obviously, he has the size and and the, the arm strength, which is what attracted the the scouts to make him a first round pick. So my concern, being an NFL quarterbacks coach as I am is yep. that he has yep. a really low release point. You, okay. And you see that, you know, you, Big Ben had that high release mm-hmm. point above his helmet. Uh, it looks like Richardson releases it like from helmet level. And I, I just wonder if he's going to get a lot of balls knocked down, even though he's 6'5". Yeah, he's a big fella. I, I don't know. And normally when you're passing the ball, you're not throwing it over defenders. You're finding windows in between the defenders. So, um, you know, whether it be moving out of the pocket or, like I said, finding those windows in between defensive linemen, defensive tackles, and defensive ends, you should be okay. And you were saying you watched the Titans. So it seemed like it was more of just a showcase or a competition between Will Levis and Malik Willis. What were your takeaways? My Personally, I thought – Malik looked a little bit better this season and Levis with a pretty decent debut. What I saw, so we were watching that video from a couple of days ago with Malik Willis and 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 Will yes. Levis when they were doing their dropbacks and you could see the the difference in speed between Will Levis going much faster than Malik Willis. I didn't think that that would be a, uh, an issue, but when I'm watching Malik drop back, I can see some of the concerns in that because mm-hmm. when you're slow from under center, sometimes you get stepped on by a center or by a guard, and and you don't create enough distance away from the offensive line to be able to find those windows. He's not as tall as an Anthony Richardson, so that may be a concern. I just I, I I don't know who's better. I thought Will Levis made a couple of poor choices in his throws, and then Malik did as well. But so, then he had like a twenty-one yard strike yeah, or something like yeah. that. Yeah, they, they both they both did pretty. They did okay, but I think you know it's going to take some. Ryan Tannehill is obviously their starting quarterback, which is if you're the Tennessee Titans and you've drafted quarterbacks consecutively two years back to back and you're still going to stay with the guy that was already the starter that may lead you to to, to some concern to con- some concern mm-hmm. as to maybe we should have drafted someone else a different position that could help this roster uh be a little bit better yeah i think that they've always kind of been looking to see if there was somebody a little bit better than ryan Tannehill to just, lead the charge because stays, of his age stays there yeah and he's Keep just fighting. there consistently draft another quarterback next year yeah Right. Of course. Uh, <laughs> Titans have a great history of that. Yeah. As you mentioned, CD, believe me, we painfully know. <laughs> Another team that doesn't have a great history of quarterback play is the Chicago Bears. But this weekend, Justin Fields, three of three for 129 yards and two touchdowns. His passer rating, a perfect 158.3, a 62-yard touchdown pass to DJ Moore. Uh, a little screen, another 56-yard touchdown pass to Khalil Herbert, and then I don't know what was going on with the the Isaiah Ford catch, but yeah, three completions for 108, 129 yards, an average of 43 yards per pass for Justin Fields. That would set some records. This is the the when you are a a young quarterback, and I'm talking from high school to college, even to the NFL. There's this notion that to throw for 150 yards, you got to throw the ball 70 yards down the field. That man threw two passes. Neither of them were past the line of scrimmage. Both of them went for 50-plus yards and touchdowns. And that's what having athletic receivers, you get a DJ Moore on this roster. The Bears have not had a a receiver, an elite receiver, I would say. Ever? Ever. Brandon Marshall, maybe, if you want to consider him an elite receiver. And I said this, and, and this is the, the most amazing stat that I, I learned, is DJ Moore, in his five years in the NFL, if he were to have played for the Chicago Bears, he would be their leading receiver in their history. 
right now. He has more yards receiving than any Bears receiver in their history. That is ridiculous. So getting a guy like DJ Moore for Justin Fields is going to alleviate a lot of problems that he has had over his few first few years. And it's going to be it's going to be electric for that team. The Bears all time receiving leaders in terms of receiving yards. Johnny Morris, 1958 to 1967, 5,059 yards. Harlan Hill, 1954 to 1961 with 4,616. Alshon Jeffrey from 2012 to 2016 is third. Walter Payton is fourth, a running back, in terms of receiving yards for that franchise. That's ridiculous. Broncos also very interesting because everybody I feel like is watching Russell Wilson and Sean Payton this season. He's supposed to be Sean Payton's the quarterback whisperer, right? And it seems like people are trying to figure out Russell Wilson because it he like turned into a joke last year, essentially. Is that fair to yeah. say? Mm-hmm. He turned into a meme. Everything was picked apart. And I know it's hard to be under the spotlight, but it seems like there was times that he just literally opened himself up to a lot of those conversations. Especially Broncos country. Let's ride. And that became, I mean, an internet sensation and not in a good way. So Wilson opened the game one one of four for 19 yards with a sack and a recovered fumble. He did recover a little bit, finishing seven of 13 for 93 yards and a touchdown. But what, what were your feelings? I know it's just a preseason game, so you can't look too much into it. But I think a lot of people were interested to see how things started out with this relationship with Sean Payton and Russell Wilson. I think it's important to realize that Russell Wilson has had a had a great career in Seattle. But a lot of that was improvisation. Like he's able to move on the fly and, and get outside of the pocket. And I think with what Sean Payton is going to ask him, I mean, if you watch Drew Brees, Drew Brees was in the pocket, throwing balls on time, downfield, getting guys open. He, he he did a fantastic job of finding receivers and using all five eligible receivers. So if Russell Wilson can be less of himself and more of what Sean Payton needs him to be, I think he can be really good. But I don't know. You know, it, it's we're 10, 12 years into his career. I don't think that Russell Wilson is going to dial that part back to to be something that he hasn't been so it's going to be intriguing because the the Denver Broncos have a championship type of defense they are going to not allow you to score points they're going to play well on the defensive side can they put up enough points is the is going to be the main question for this for this Broncos team this year do you think that Sean Payton's striving for a more up-tempo offense and that Russell will be able to adjust to that well I think he's he's gonna like I said the time on time passes getting the ball out to the receivers so they can catch and make plays um taking your shots downfield when need be getting the running back involved in the passing game which he did very well that that all of those things are are important but it's hard to do that when your quarterback tends to move outside of the pocket and doesn't you know, stay in pocket and throw the ball on time. So that, that that's really a Russell Wilson question. Is he is he willing to do that consistently? If he is, Sean Payton has shown that they they will be really good. They got some receivers. They got some running backs. They got guys that can make plays. Is Russell Wilson willing to do that? And one of the problems they have is that they've had real injury issues uh, at receiver. Tim Patrick yep. was supposed to come back. He's already on injured reserve with uh, torn Achilles. A, a torn Achilles. So he's. Hurting, uh, they they had. Uh, I, I think Jerry Judy had, was was nicked up a little bit. They've they've already got some problems there at the receiver position, and I don't know if we'll find out this year if Russell is a guy that can elevate players because as it turns out, the receivers that he had in Seattle turned out to be really good guys. Yeah, and, and here's the thing: if Russell doesn't do it, it, it'll be one and done. I mean, with him and Peyton, I think I, th- oh, I don't think yeah. I don't think Sean Payton will 
stick around with Russell Wilson as his quarterback if he's not able to do the things that he needs to do. He, he would be looking for another guy in the draft. So those are your NFL news and notes here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we're going to head down the stretch. Rock isn't here, but that doesn't mean we don't have rock and roll. It's coming your way with Bradford Bruns here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Matthew Rocchio is out today. Bradford Bruns in for Matthew, and he's got some rock and roll items for us. Absolutely, guys. Hey, in honor of Mr. Rocchio, whom I believe, if I'm not mistaken, is in his adopted city again or coming mm-hmm. back from the adopted oh, city. Yeah, Denver. Yeah. Isn't that Without correct? Yeah, absolutely. So I have to take it upon myself to play Mr. Mizzou on this occasion. And yeah, I know the football program. It kicks off on the 31st Thursday night affair, which is just kind of weird to put out there against South Dakota State. But for today, let's talk a little bit about hoops because as we went into the weekend, word was beginning to circulate out that Dennis Gates had landed another big-time commitment from a would-be top 100 recruit in the class of 2024. This time around, we're talking about a seven-footer, guys, who tips the scales at about 300 pounds, Peyton Marshall. And look, I know that SEC games, when you're talking about this coming season, next year, they're not one on paper. But isn't it legitimately exciting to have this sense of enthusiasm surrounding the program? And I know a lot of people are probably thinking, how do you really reach the rarefied heights that the Tigers were able to ascend to last season? Is there going to be a bit of a drop-off this year? And yet, everything that we have received over the last few months coming out of Columbia on the basketball front, really nothing but roses and Dennis Gates getting out there, establishing himself and recruiting like the Dickens right away. I think Dennis Gates is a fabulous recruiter. I mean, he mm-hmm. he he seems like a person that a lot of people would want to play for. Their style of offense that they played, they were they were getting their shots up. They were up and down, playing with great pace, um, and it was fun to watch. They they were a team that scored a lot of points, and so if you are a, a hooper and you want to score, you want to play in an offense like that, um, is it sustainable? Are they able to dial in defensively when the time counts, when, it, when, when the time matters? I think that's going to be a question, but I think in your second year where you, you you start to get turn that program over and get guys that you recruit in there and really uh, kind of put your, your imprint in on, on who you are, I think Dennis Gates and the, and the Tigers are going to be really good. Last year was huge for them, not only because of the su- success that they had, but because the SEC right now is right there with the Big Ten in terms of being the best basketball conference. Kids want to play in the SEC. It's a young man's game, and the game that the Tigers employ under Dennis Gates is really attractive to 16- and 17-year-olds. They like Mizzou now, and they like him, and I really think that they're on their way. I think he has a chance to do really special things. Yeah, this is just very interesting. I'm also reading, too, that Marshall, Peyton Marshall, has ties to St. Louis. He grew up in St. Louis before moving to Georgia. So that's that's really interesting, too. It's just even if you've met Dennis Gates and I know that you guys had him on before I came on the show, he is just such a electric personality and super nice mm-hmm. and friendly. He even recruited CD to clearly convincing, know. right? Yeah. Very convincing. Yeah. Very convincing. Won't happen again, but it was it was cool. <laughs> yeah. One and done. You know. I can see happen. I can see especially when you're recruiting young athletes. It's interesting because we've talked about it before how much recruiting has changed in your approach with recruiting athletes and it feels like Dennis Gates really has the pulse on how to do that. Yeah. Best decision that athletic department could have made going into the NCAA tournament on the heels of that victory extending in the here and now. 
Yes. With a massive buyout, too. With a massive buyout, yes. Granted, very true. Let's talk a little <laughs> bit more about the collegiate front, guys, specifically the gridiron, where I'm just left to scratch my head concerning this entire University of Michigan situation. It is the Big Ten, after all. But what we have here right now is a case of the committee of infractions investigating body on behalf of the NCAA not quite sure whether to actually now move forward with what would have been a four-game suspension at the beginning of the college football season for Jim Harbaugh that has been rejected while further investigation is taking place and guys from the very beginning this seemed to me akin to a slap on the wrist style of situation sort of punishment you have potential infractions and violations during what was the dead COVID-19 period but when you're talking about basically a slew of cupcakes and Harbaugh would be on the sidelines for those, just on game days, mind you, still would have been allowed to mm-hmm. participate in practices, overseeing everything else. And now this process is stalling. Why? I, I think to start to start it off, I mean, it, it was about him buying food during the COVID period for some recruits, if I'm not mistaken. And and. Yeah, look, I think it was more about the cover-up than the actual uh, deed of doing it. It's The NCAA has some strange rules and some strange uh, verdicts and some strange reasoning for why they do certain things and why they do, don't do other things. I don't have an issue with if, – if that's all it was, purchasing food for student-athletes or projected student-athletes, it's not a. It's not that big of a deal, but there are so many rules and infractions that you can incur while you're coaching, while you're a college coach, that you may may or may not even realize that you're doing it. So, if it's that matter, how does it rise to the level of a level one violation? I think the fact se. that he he didn't tell the truth, or or it wasn't he wasn't truthful in and forthcoming in what took place, is probably what the the issue was. That's what it seems like. That it was more of that issue is the cover up rather than yeah. the actual, I guess, quote unquote, crime co- committed. But I think that the one thing that bothers me in this whole situation is that when you're talking about the NCAA and the, how they've done certain things in the past. Not having some sort of consistency on how you handle these situations, I don't think yeah. helps their case where people want to continue to deal with them or trust them. And the NCAA is traditionally very secretive and they don't want us to know what they're doing and they don't want to explain things to us. Thus, you have the the North Carolina, Mississippi State situations where they get a slap on the wrist and Mizzou winds, winds up losing a, a bowl game. Here's it looks the, like special treatment right, sometimes. Yeah, right. And then when things don't go their way, then the NCAA releases a statement like they did about Harbaugh that said, quote, the Michigan infractions case is related to impermissible on and off campus recruiting during the COVID-19 dead period and impermissible coaching activities, not a cheeseburger. Right. It is not uncommon for the CDI to seek clarification on key facts prior to accepting. The CDI may also reject a negotiated resolution if it determines that the agreement is not in the best interests of the association or the penalties are not reasonable. If the involved parties cannot resolve a case through the negotiated resolution process, it may proceed to a hearing, but the committee believes cooperation is the best avenue to quickly resolve issues. Here's my thing. The NCAA is a toothless entity right now. (laughs) They have no jurisdiction over Power 5 football, which is where Michigan is. And you know what? I I think Jim Harbaugh can just throw up a middle finger at them, and I don't think he has to worry about anything. Nothing's going to happen. Yeah. What's the NCAA going to do? It's it's not like you're going to be able to control Power 5 football. Exactly. 
Uh, so that's it for our uh, fabulous, without Matthew Rocchio, rock and roll. Uh, thank you, Bradford Bruns. I would say that it's been fun or a pleasure, but I don't want to crib from Brooks. So let's go with the synonym, right? Enthralling on this day. Thank <laughs> yeah. you. Yeah. Appreciate it. How about that? Good Very stuff. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So exactly. We got in. A, we had a few laughs. It was pretty fun. We got some balloons. And balloons. That balloon. Balloons. I will say this. What is it? This STL is balloons. So cool. At STL balloons. Is that what that is? Yeah. At STL balloons. That so, is, on the Twitter machine, is it? You. X. You all oh, did uh, X. Got an it, amazing okay. job. The Randy character. Balloon on There's top. There's a Randy balloon. Is amazing. You should take that one. Just take the whole thing, but make uh, sure you I'll save take that, that one. Okay. Yeah, I've got. A I couple think that you need to put it. I, we keep yeah, it here. Cardinal. Yeah, you keep it here and make everybody walk through it. For, oh, on the other like shows. football, like yeah. like like going through the tunnel. Yeah. Okay. And uh, Brian Styles at STL Balloons uh, actually follows me, which is cool. Thanks, Brian. Very nice. And uh, he is cool. an extremely creative balloon guy. So at STL Balloons, so if you want a big balloon made that has me on it, <laughs> <laughs> how long do you think that takes? Must have taken a lot of time. It's really like sensational. So yeah, and uh, we'll put pictures of it up on the uh, on the Twitter machine. I'll do that right now. Very but nice. uh, we appreciate the great work of Bradford Bruns. Thank you, sir. I met Bradford's brother last night, by the way. Delightful guy. How about that? Bruns family affair this week. Yeah, it, it was great. Uh, Brooke, this was fun. Yes. It was a great Monday. CD. My man. I pulled bears. Oh, oh we, okay. we like Even that better. one too. Yep. We have a balloon party with T-Mac and Ajax coming up and then BK and Ferrario until two in the fast lane with one Anthony Stalter and one Jamie Rivers between two and six. We thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. And for all of us until tomorrow, that would be Tuesday morning at seven. Have a great day, St. Louis. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.